like you know you know the um the part from a Charlie Brown Christmas where Linus does the spiel about um the birth of Jesus and how that's the real reason for the season or whatever. Our special would be uh-huh. pretty much the polar opposite. Whatever the polar opposite of that is, that's what we would do. Uh, so the Christmas I mean, Linus... from South Park hailing Satan and eating people and raping them. <laughs> yeah, Linus is not the guy from that that series you want to emulate. He's too preachy. <laughs> he's a bit of a yeah, pompous. He's a bit of a pompous. Enemy of the show. You know, enemy of the show. Yeah, enemy of the podcast, just... Linus. And he's I say full this, of himself. and I say this as someone who is currently wearing a Snoopy shirt. Have we started recording? We have. Um, hold on. I, I'm going to try and do this belch. Hold on. I also started recording 20 minutes ago because I, I knew what would happen. <clears throat> oh, boy. He's going to puke. No, I'm good. Hashtag belch. Hang on. That was sad. No, hold on. You need some help? Yeah. Yeah. Help me out. Oh, that was oh, even worse. <laughs> there it is. This he got bad. stuck. This is like a low point. He got in, stuck behind a tonsil. This is like a low point in <laughs> podcast history. I'm drinking a stout. I have had a I have had a tenth of a beer. Give me like 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I will be able to give you something that would shake the ground at Wembley Stadium. You can get that in post. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this is the first uh, time Alex is going to do After Effects to add in a burger. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So um, yeah, we have actually. We have had more jokes ruined by burps than anything else except Jack John's sense of humor. Um, yeah, the worst is that I, since I tried to do a big burp, now I just have like a series of small ones who are, that are coming up and just being nuisances. And with that being said, hello everybody and welcome to what is officially episode 9 of Here's a Guy. And we're back from our holiday hiatus and we're back with not just a regular episode. No, no, no. If you people thought... We're coming back with a regular episode. You are sorely mistaken. What am I saying? Anyway, uh, let's introduce our hosts. We uh, have our two regular hosts here, um, and then something very special for you all as well. Um, and someone, someone very, thing. someone very special who is pointing to himself and smiling, and it's adorable. Um, so let's start with uh, coming coming to us from Illinois. Um, well, let me start. I should probably introduce myself. Um, I'm Alex. I'm coming to you from St. Louis. Um, our first uh, regular co-host um, coming to you from Illinois is my older brother, Cody. Cody, how are you? How are your holidays? Uh, holidays have been fantastic so far. I have eaten entirely too much, um, as evidenced by, well my physical appearance um but uh been very very busy as well so uh yeah we we darn near didn't get to do an episode this week and i am super jazzed we got to do this i didn't think eating too much turkey would thin out your hair like that that's that's something i gotta research more no that's the potatoes that do that ah shit i get the wrong wrong part of the table and uh beer too uh that guy you just heard uh, uh critiquing cody's hairline happens to be coming at us live from indianapolis it's jack Hello, Jack. How was your Thanksgiving, Jack? It was great. I got high and yelled at my family while playing board games. So uh, a classic holiday all around. Fuck yeah, man. That's good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. We do that a lot, too, yeah. It, it was all in fun. Uh, we, we played a game where you had to argue which animal was better. Uh, I had a hawk, and I yelled profusely at my family on how the hawk was the superior animal, and I got my ass kicked, and I was very unhappy. If the game had a board, I would have flipped it. You, you needed... Had I been playing that game, I would have made a lot of Dune references, <laughs> and nobody would have got it. Just got into a big spiel about 
the hawk that I would own, and I would name him Mike Hawk, and I would just try and nobody wants Mike that Hawk. In as many times as possible again. Lego you will not Atreides. speak to with Mike Hawk. Lego Atreides did not die for you to disparage the hawk. Okay. I, I, I just want you to know that Mike Hawk has a two foot wingspan. Um. <laughs> so if we're done, More feathers that I was expecting. We done with that rift? Also bald. Are we done with this rift? Does anybody have any other hawk material no, they want to get out? Give me, give, me five, give me five more minutes. I can do this. Well, man, excuse me. I know you're doing jokes. We, we, don't have, we don't have five more minutes for this, and I will tell you why, people. This is the ninth episode. If you haven't caught on by now, usually this show has three hosts, but you are hearing four voices, and there is a good reason for that. It is and now we became a ventriloquist. <laughs> In... Uh, it is now December, and um, for a nice little holiday special for all of you, um, we have decided to do a very special crossover event. And this is um, part one of two. Part two will be over on the uh, um, the other podcast that's involved. And um, joining us from that podcast is very good friend of the podcast, our pal Pookie. You know him as, um, along with Jack, the other host of the Belchcast. Um we are so very, very excited to finally be doing this. This is something we've been discussing for a while. Um, Pookie, how does it feel to officially be on Here's a Guy? Well, Alex, it feels great. Awesome. <laughs> Moving on. See, he was he was going to steal the bit I was talking about in the last episode where he just doesn't say anything for the entire episode. Listen, I was I, I we even talked about it before we started recording and I was gonna do a bit, but you didn't introduce me in a way in which I could do it. <laughs> oh. Well Damn it, Alex. There's a very good reason for that, and that is because I forgot what we were talking about. So there you go. But um This is gonna be a great show. Oh but, yeah, Belchcast, um part of I don't know if we ever settled on what the term for this like extended universe that we're building for ourselves is um really a big fan of the uh belch cinematic universe yeah the yeah i think that's what we decided on i think you're right so especially because we're audio only formats and that's just funny to me (laughs) (laughs) um i mean we could i guess we could start uploading the uh the video of this to youtube or something but no, thank you. I, yeah. <laughs> this is usually the type of thing we we don't want our faces attached to. Um, no. I'll put a where, blur effect in post. So, and, uh, Alex, I'm no surprised you didn't out. notice this. I'm surprised you didn't notice this when I sat down at the computer. But so I uh, am wearing my glasses. I'm sure you noticed that. But also, right. on my shirt, there is a large picture of Harry Carey's face. And between oh, I, my I, haircut and the glasses and my pudginess, I I look like I am wearing a shirt with my face on it. <laughs> um, I would also like to uh, thank you, Alex, for not asking me how my holidays were, because it gives me post-traumatic stress <laughs> to talk about my holidays. <laughs> not good. Not good. Well, look, we can't all be so fortunate. Um <laughs> I, I will I will share one anecdote from my Thanksgiving. Um, um, so for Thanksgiving dinner, um, 
our mom's big family all gets together at our parents' house, and um, it was the first time I gotten to see our cousin-in-law, Chad, since um, the podcast dropped. I know he listens. He has, um, you know, he has some stuff that he does as well, um, and so I, I was just curious to get his feedback, and so, um, you know, he, the, the main, he said he enjoyed it. His only critique was that, um, he, he was listening with his sick, like five, six year old daughter in the car. Oh no. <laughs> and said he had to shut it, had to, had to shut it off in episode one when we got to the, the part where we talked about dick sucking. So apologies to everyone who has listened to this with children in the car. I did not take that into consideration. He said he was fine with all of the profanity up until then, but he didn't want to have to explain what that meant. I'm like, yeah, I, okay, fair I, enough. I, I should, real quick, I, I should probably hawk. Um, Geek Cave um, is a podcast that Chad is on. I would I would recommend that to people. Um, check that out. Um, they've been doing that yeah, for a very a long, one. That's been doing that for a very long time. So now you say at the point where we started talking about sucking dick. To be honest with you. I can't pin down the exact moment that is. I feel like that's happened every episode. It was. I, I think that's. I think that's when Alex was talking about. Con, uh, was it contract law? You were trying yeah. to explain. I, ironically, <laughs> it was maybe the most informative bit we've ever done. <laughs> it, it was just a demonstrative to explain the the legal structure of a contract, and I was right about all of it. I just happened to use. Oh. That's right. You, you, the sucking dick part of, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. It, it, it just that was, that was the metaphor. Yes. The, the, yeah, the, that hy- was... the hypothetical just happened to be based on you two blowing each other. Yeah. Which again, probably the most <laughs> informative thing that this podcast has ever done. Like an actual real world example that we can all visualize. Now, please visualize that. So, well, good thing I'm sitting down. So, uh, Pookie, we have Pookie here. <laughs> um, very thrilled. We're very thrilled about that, and um, we we've mentioned Pookie um, several times before on the show. And obviously, if you've listened to the Belch Cast, which if you have not, then you definitely should. Um, so we've talked a lot about the lore of how the the three of us know each other. We've known Pookie this whole time as well, um, and so we the whole time. And so we should probably <laughs> that's address. our big sixth sense reveal. And Pookie is yet another person um, who is part of the lore, part of the lore of the of the of the IC crew. Um, Pookie's been here every episode. He just hasn't spoken up until now. (laughs) Yeah, Tom Farmer is also hanging around here somewhere. But um, oh, and Tom just left. He had to do Tom shit. (laughs) Um. So Pookie, you probably has been hanging out in the closet the whole time. That I would believe. In fact, he might be here right now. Um. Ruben is in everyone's closet. That's not even a gay joke. Ruben just is kind of the guy who lives in small spaces. Yeah, it's Schrodinger's Ruben. He is, he is, he is, and is not in the closet. Um. So Pookie, you you would have known Cody before either the other two of yes. us, right? It's it's funny because uh, Jack and I have talked about this before, and. I think for a lot of your guys' friends, uh, like in the circles that we ran with, the two of you were Big Turp and Little Turp. Yeah. Yep. And and Cody was always by his last name for me, and you yep. were Little Turp. Mm-hmm. And it's the opposite for Jack because he met Alex first. Yes. 
Yeah, so it's just, it's just it's a weird dynamic that just depending on which brother was met first, he is like he is Terp Prime, and <laughs> yeah, and the other one is either Big or Little Terp. <laughs> what I've always loved about Big Terp and Little Terp is you can break it down two different ways. You can break it down by age or size, and it still works. That's true. Yeah, that's my favorite part about that. Is however we're, you think about it, you're correct. We're like Russian nesting turpins, we just keep getting smaller. <laughs> Oh god! Um, That's why I wish I wish our parents would have had like five more kids that are all like getting progressively shorter as they oh, go. Oh fuck! It's small, medium turp. Run! <laughs> it very much. So the name thing is a problem we we've had our whole lives because everybody who knows one of us inevitably winds up calling us Turpin because yeah. like yeah, and and like not that we mind. Didn't say your last name. I was just I was being intentionally vague. <laughs> no, that's that's. I think we we probably established. You can't this. dox. Yeah. You can't dox Alex. The podcast is literally under his name. Uh, yes. Oh. About that. <laughs> uh, they know I'm his brother, so I think they figured out my last name. Oh fuck! So there very much was. So I was looking at my Spotify Wrapped um, since those dropped today. Um, yeah. And at the top five podcasts, um, here's a guy who was number five. I mean, the podcast has only existed for a couple months, um, and. I just like that it was every podcast and it lists the creator. Hang on, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, it's fine. Is your podcast higher on my top five shows than on yours? Um, uh, mine was maybe. <laughs> I mean, I listened I to it. I think you were number was, three for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, ours has been around since like March, though. I think my yeah. I think this was um number four for me because I I it was to... it was. Mine was last podcast, YKS, Belchcast, Here's a Guy, and I think maybe Murder Ballads was the other one. I don't remember. Oh, so, so Here's a Guy is number four. So, apparently we're just talking about our Spotify top fives now, but... Oh, yeah, so, sure. number one was obviously a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Yeah. Uh, number two is Belchcast. Number three is a, a different Dungeons & Dragons podcast. <laughs> Number four is Here's a Guy, and number five is a horror podcast. Also, speaking of my top five, um, what do I get to do with my Here's a Guy bucks? I don't know. What do you want to do with them? I don't know. Something neat. On Twitter, I tweeted the exchange rate. So. Oh, did you? I didn't see that. I just. What's uh, like Bitcoin? It, it changes <laughs> hourly. Yeah, so I listen, you, you I should, listen if I have five here's a guy bucks and their their exchange rate is one Bitcoin, I'd like to catch those in, Alex. <laughs> um So what I was I, I guess I should should plug this. Um we're running a promotion over on the Here's a Guy uh, Twitter account, uh Here's a Guy Pod. Um that if you uh show us proof that here's a guy was in your uh top five uh podcast at the end of the year on Spotify, you'll be rewarded five hag bucks. That's right, five hag bucks. If you're wondering what a hag buck is, well, it's something that I crudely scrawled on my phone. What do you do with them? I don't know. They're yours now. So, did we just accidentally create an NFT? Would you guys oh, like fuck. to blame me now or later? <laughs> uh, uh, so here's no, the, oh, my God. Here's the guy not in my top five. Oh, I mean, that. No, show, man. Like I said, it, it's I post them and they were five. It's five for me. It's yeah, I just yep. listen to a ton of podcasts. That's yeah. I, I, I have uh, a I have an hour long commute to work. I have to fit. I have to fit them yeah. all in. 
I listen to a lot of I get all of my sports news through podcasts. So like um the right time with Mamani Jones was like my number one podcast or right. my number two podcast. Uh Belchcast was my number one because I listened to the edit. My yeah, mine yeah, was I looked um, at it, I was like, oh fuck, my other podcast didn't make the cut. This is awkward. How do I undo everything I've done? Mine was last podcast no, on the left. Your Kickstarter sucks. Blocked party citations needed and then and then ours. Yeah. It's it's not awkward. You just don't host this podcast anymore. Fuck. Nothing right, more um, needs to be said. I'm gonna I'm gonna disconnect. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> um, Congratulations on your new host job. Yeah. We record every Wednesday. Yeah, this is this is tradition for Pookie. We didn't want to tell you before we started. We thought it'd be awkward. <laughs> I'm I'm the guy who's awkwardly like training his replacement without knowing that he's training his replacement. This is gonna be perfect <laughs> yes. for the behind the music on <laughs> I'm just gonna be super salty when we record Belchcast tomorrow and like here's the fucking turpins. Fuck you guys. Listen, I can't kick you off Belchcast, you edit it. I edit it and I host it. Like, and by host it, I mean I post the the fucking final cut. And this this is probably as good a time as any to mention. Um, so I, I mentioned this is like part one of a two parter. So, um, part one we have a, a Belchcast coming over to here's a guy. Part two is here's a guy is going to come over to Belchcast, um, and we're going to be recording that um, tomorrow night. So be on the lookout for that to drop sometime soon as well. Um, so. Yeah, we've talked about Belchcast a lot, and we've referenced it enough. So, what I'm trying to think of the, the, the simplest way to ask this: What is Belchcast? If you had to sum up what Belchcast is, how would you explain it? So, Belchcast started as me shit posting on Jack's stream. <laughs> That's a great thing to do. Like all good things. Yep. Like he was talking about so like. He's like, yeah, the stream is fun. I, I, you know, I'd like to do a podcast too, or so. I mean, something along those lines. Yeah. And I was like, hey, we both like beer. We could do a beer podcast because we're uh, two white guys, and people definitely want to hear our opinions. That's right. Ooh, there we go. Ooh. Can you cut that and put it at the beginning of the episode? <laughs> no, no. Who's transposed <laughs> that burp over Alex? <laughs> no, we're t it's too late. We're committed. Um, you had a ghost burp. It was ghost burped by Pookie. <laughs> so we were just kind of like I was just kind of shit posting, but at the same time I was like, um, I'm 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 kind of kind of serious. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it just kind of grew from there, and we were just like, yeah, we're both into like beer and video games, so let's do a podcast about beer and video games. And then we just started recording episodes, and nobody arrested us for doing it, and and here we are now. <laughs> yeah, the, I remember like Pookie and I had like probably like a two-hour or like three-hour Discord call with each other, where we just like talked about ideas, and we we're like, well, like we both really like craft beer. I think at that time I was just like, oh yeah, I've got this craft beer. I'm drinking it. It's cool. And like that's what I was just like, I was unquote un or quote unquote like reviewing beer on twitch but it was just kind of like this beer is cool i like it you should drink it if you can find it and like that's all i was talking about with beer and that's basically all i do on uh belchcast now but with a longer uh like form to do it and then pookie and i was like we both really like video games and board games and a bunch of just nerd shit pookie and i are massive fucking nerds so we nerd out for like an hour to two hours each week 
Right on. And by each week, I mean we record episodes and then I post them like a month afterwards because I'm really shit at editing. (laughs) Sometimes we record bi-weekly, which was the original schedule and, you know... It was fun. It was it was bi-weekly, and then we were like, we've got a lot of things that we do. We should do these weekly now. And then I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, and then I continued to put them out bi-weekly. Yeah. I think we did, like, <laughs> two episodes weekly. I think we, yeah. we managed to get, like, two out, like, back-to-back weeks. And we were like, that was a, that was a lot of work. I don't yeah. want to do that I anymore. mean, it's a lot of work. I just... I take a lot of... Uh, I call them on, uh, on Belchcast. I take depresso naps a lot, where uh, I just... Uh, I get off work and I'm like, all right, cool. Fuck all of life for eight hours. And then I'm like, ah, I was going to edit the episode in that time. Well, too late. Yeah, I basically <laughs> do nothing. It's, I, I type up a script the day of the the recording and uh, and then I drink a beer and talk about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right on. That's yeah, that, that, that's all of Belchcast. It's getting drunk and talking about just nerd shit you love. yeah. So, so if that sounds cool to you, you should go listen to the Belchcast. Yeah. Can't recommend <laughs> it enough. If it doesn't, give it a chance because it's a great podcast. Yeah. Aww. So the four of us have all known each other for quite a bit. As I mentioned, I think Cody and, and Pookie, like obviously Cody and I have known each other the longest out of out of <laughs> any combination. That's, I was that's probably say, given. I was, I, was about to, I was about to make fun of you so fucking hard but if be- you had forgotten that. Beyond that, Cody and, and Pookie have known each other the longest, and then Jack and I uh, came to IC a couple years later. Um, can I tell you the moment that I knew? Because, like, I, like, Pookie was... Tell. I know the story you're going to tell. <laughs> maybe. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Because I had forgotten this until earlier. Um, well, I'll say, like, like I'd known of Pookie because he was one of the guys that, like, when Cody would come back home um, over a weekend sometimes, like, he would be one of the people that Cody would mention like fondly. And so I knew going in like, okay, this, this is a guy who will be cool to me. Um, so I always liked Pookie. I'll tell you the moment that I knew he was like a true, like down, like legit bro. We were at a bar in Jacksonville. Um, we have a lot of stories. Oh, it's not like the this. story I thought you were going to tell. <laughs> well, I'm fair. This could be the start of like a hundred stories. That's fair. I'm curious. I'm curious what, what, you you think it was maybe we can do that afterwards but um so we were at a bar and a problem that i i haven't had this problem in a long time but a problem i I used to struggle with especially in college is um i would have a nervous tick where my right eye would twitch sometimes it would twitch so bad it would be like you know it it would like close all the way so it'd be like i was i was like blinking or like winking and we were just at some some bar in jacksonville and i was i was really dealing with it and i was i guess just kind of staring off into space some fucking random jerk off townie dude comes over to me when I was standing there by myself, like about to order another drink. He's like, Hey, are you winking at me, dude? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you fucking winking at me. I'm like, no, I just have a nervous tick. He's like, Oh, I thought you were winking at me. And he just walks off. And so I get my drink and I turn around and I tell Cody and Pookie what happened. And Pookie's like, Oh, I wish I would have been there when he said that I would have kicked that fucking guy's ass. And so what that says to me yeah. is that not only is Pookie the sort of guy who will stick up for me, but will but will deal with a guy who's being a fucking homophobe in a bar. Because why would you get that mad about yeah. some dude? Like that's not what I was doing. But why would you get that mad about some dude winking at you? You know? Yeah. Um, it's a what would, what did you think my story was going to be? I'm curious. <laughs> well, 
Now that I think about it, I don't know that it was you. <laughs> I think it was you. Um, I th- fuck. So there's a bad storm with hail on campus, <clears throat> and I was walking back from a friend's house back to the dorm I lived in, and it was like hailing and storming, and I was just mad. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I get mad, my face looks like I'm mad. I mean, you guys can see me. My beard's significantly longer, but this is basically what I've looked like since I was like 20 years old. And when I look mad, it can be intimidating. Like, I'm, I'm a large fellow. And I was just walking through a storm and being hailed on and mad. And I, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure it was Rube. <laughs> Say, I don't remember this. <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it, I'm like, mm, no, that's not Alex. Alex told this really nice story about me, and I'm remembering the wrong story. <laughs> it's it's Schrodinger's Ruben. He's in every story and also not the part of the story at the same time. I think we just need to get him on the call one of these days. It's probably oh, what God. needs to happen. I can't even imagine. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's that's who Pookie is. That's what uh, the Belch cast is. Um. But we're here to do Here's a Guy this evening. And, um, yeah, as I said, we're so thrilled to have Pookie here. And um, uh, he has brought a guy for us that we're going to hear about in a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess let's uh, let's jump into it. The reason we're all here, let's talk about some guys. Jack, do you want to – I know we've had a couple weeks off, so uh, give it a shot. Hey, drink some whiskey. I, I need to get in the right mindset. Yeah, it's, uh... absolutely. He's going to do it like Tom Waits this week. He's got to the guys. That was actually pretty good. Not bad. The whiskey, You're getting better. Whiskey. I think it's because you psyched yourself up first. <laughs> it, it's a mindset. It's I'm a, I'm a classic 80s rock uh, singer. I need to pound a bottle of Jack and then I can fucking hit those notes. I'm gonna I'm gonna commission an actual musician to do a, a <laughs> the guys like clip for you. <laughs> um. So yeah, we got we got four guys to discuss this week. Um, so let's get right into it. Cody, you are up first. Who's your guy? Well, my guy's not a guy at all. My guy's a gal this week. Oh, right on. Um, our, third is, gal, our third gal. Our third gal of the show. Is this your first gal? Our third. It's also history in the well, fact that we didn't have to announce it ahead of time. We're just fucking throwing out gals now, which is awesome. Right. Right. Yep. So this is. Someone who, to say there is some some differing opinion on on her is uh, would be putting it mildly. Uh, talking about Therese Newman, she is a uh, German Catholic mystic. Um, was kind of sorry. Oh, I don't want to say a German Catholic mystic. Sounds so sounds hot. mystic referring to basically. Yeah, mystic referring to basically anybody who fills that kind of, I don't want to say Gandhi-esque role, but, you know, anybody who's a fairly famous spiritual, basically a spiritual influencer is what it is. Like The, that's, the, the kind of people who live in, like, Tempe, Arizona. A lot, yeah, of, jade, exactly. uh, a lot of jade necklaces in that. You guys, have, uh, you guys have made some enemies of Wait, some really? cities on this show. <laughs> yeah, I think... Like Detroit, Tempe's on there now. Uh, Philly, I, I think we're kind of trying to make amends with. <laughs> I think we're just trying to basically just say fuck the entire world one city at a time. Look, we all live in fucking the Midwest. We can't take it all for, for, for what you will, you know. 
but uh, she uh, she gained a, a fair amount of prominence during her heyday within the Catholic Church for um, apparently performing essentially faith healings on herself, um, and also you know having a, a number of visions, and eventually got up to I think they gave her it was Third Order of Saint Francis is what the official what her official designation was, but the Catholic Church actually recognized her. Um, the funny thing though is that when you look at almost all of these incidents, they are almost all some of the most obvious frauds I have ever seen in my life. And we will get into more detail uh, specific, but I mean, some of this stuff is just truly hysterical. So her career of, uh, well, basically her career of getting injured, because that seems to be what her job was, um, began on March 11th, 1918. So she was, it says, partially paralyzed after falling off a stool. Okay. How the actual fuck you wind up partially paralyzed after falling off of a stool, I do not know. It's the biggest stool in the world. A boxing movie I... about that? <laughs> <laughs> also, that was falling she was onto the OG millionaire, baby. Falling onto I a stool, I think. I don't want to sound insensitive, but I thought paralyzed was one of those you either are or you aren't. Like I thought that it was entirely based on movement. Yeah, did you miss the I whole miracles it's... thing? <laughs> yeah. Now hold on, hold on, guys. I'll put this in a way that Jack can understand. Jack, think a about basic man. Th- think about Jim Ross. Uh, like you know how how parts of his face um, don't. So cerebral don't move palsy it. is what you're going for. Well, yeah, he's got cerebral palsy, and like so, part of it, part of that is that like he has trouble moving one side of his face. That is a partial. Okay. That is a partial paralysis. Okay, gotcha. There you go. I mean, this person is, uh, from what I can understand, though, probably bullshitting. But I can't wait to hear more. Um, she sustained a bunch more falls and injuries during this period, which. I mean, I guess if she was actually partially paralyzed kind of makes sense, but then why the hell is she out just walking around? Sounds like a clumsy person. It, it's, it sounds like she was incredibly accident-prone, or maybe, maybe she was faking almost all of these injuries so she could pretend to heal them later. Who knows? Um, yeah, who's to say, really? So after one particular... <coughs> After uh, one particular fall, um, she says she became partially blind and then a year later went completely blind. Um, She was, one thing that is for sure is she was bedridden um, to the point where she had some really bad bed sores, uh, infections. She did manage to give herself some genuine health problems here. But um, on 29th of April, 1923, her eyesight suddenly came back. Um, it was a uh, holy day for the Catholic faith. There was something big going on in Rome. Um, she'd been doing novenas uh, all day, and apparently, midway through her prayers, her vision just came back. Um, cool. Hallelujah. Uh, Catholicism's great. So, um, yeah. It was um, actually somebody, it was, I think Teresa of Lizzo was uh, being canonized that day. And then she said the new saint called to her and cured her of her of her health problems. So again, not anything out of the ordinary as far as like claims of faith healing. That's pretty standard stuff. Um, she wasn't done yet though. In 1925, she took to her bed again, 
um, claiming to have been diagnosed with appendicitis. Now, oddly enough, nobody seems to be able to track down a doctor who diagnosed her with appendicitis. Funny Ain't that. that kind of funny? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But uh, they said while preparing her for surgery, she convulsed violently and then stared at the ceiling, finally saying yes. She then uh, asked her family, instead of having the operation, to take her to church. And she prayed for a little while and then suddenly popped up and says, I'm all better. Um, the problem with that, again, is there's nobody that can say for sure that there was anything wrong with her to begin with. All just looking a touch convenient. Say convulsing violently and then <laughs> staring at the ceiling is just, uh, I've had other reasons why that's happened, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, it, it sounds like she just had a really, really nice dream. Um, so she says she's sure sex jokes. Look, um, it just sounds like it sounds like Jesus came into her life, and and she came back to Jesus, and uh, and then she felt better. Was led to you believe. know there are some voids, some voids that can only be filled with the Lord, Jack. I was led to believe that there were there were to be no shenanigans on this show. Oh no, no, we Tom decided Tom this yeah. is a whimsical anecdote right now. I, I've softened my position a bit, but the second that any monkey shines start, I'm nuking this whole fucking thing. <laughs> no, we are 13 years old. That is, okay, that is so you, you wouldn't believe it. But we've actually recorded 25 episodes, but monkey shines have destroyed 14 episodes. They're ripping us apart. So, um, obviously, since she was trumpeting about all of this to anyone that would listen... There were some doctors and skeptics that uh, wanted to come in and investigate, and one of these doctors actually got to examine her while she claimed to have been blind. <coughs> he said he shined a light in her eyes and her pupils responded totally normally. So they, th that is pretty much conclusive evidence that her, her eyes did work. But man, I tell you what, when, you, when the Catholics get a hold of an idea, man, and they... <laughs> They like it. They just will not let go. They were, you know, incensed that anyone was even questioning this. Um, you know, it's just it's just a test of our faith, and you have to keep believing in the face of all these skeptics because, you know, that's what God wants. Yeah, I'm, imagining, I mean, yeah. I'm imagining, like, a doctor, like, shining light in somebody's eyes. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck! Uh, why would you do that to a blind person? Ah, oh, shit! I don't know what you're doing, but that seems like it would hurt. Shining a flashlight in the eyes and... and responding normally i mean that's like that's probably something that the four of us couldn't say right now so right. kudos yeah, to her i guess I <laughs> so yeah the scientific community is growing more and more skeptical by the day but again you know the catholics when they get an idea in their head just um ask any anybody who ran afoul of the inquisition i was gonna say um, yeah that's kind of how the kind of how the inquisition <laughs> yeah. happened yeah nobody expects it. yeah nobody expects it that's very so, specifically the Spanish Inquisition, Jack. <laughs> yep. But they, uh, she was not done yet. Like any great performance artist, she had to top herself. You can't just be, you, you, you don't go to the Hall of Fame with fake appendicitis and fake blindness. You know, every mega church in Alabama has somebody that can do that. Yeah. yeah. That puts you in the Hall of Very Good, but not the Hall of Fame. <clears throat> You gotta do something 
special. You got to do something big. You got to do something Catholic as fuck. I am talking stigmata, baby. Oh, oh no. yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, Cody, for those at home, that is the loudest that cheer is. that has ever gotten. Nobody has ever announced stigmata and have that much fun. Yeah. Not, not since Pontius not Pilate. Even... <laughs> that's so, uh, that's too smart of a fucking joke for us. <laughs> yeah, we make that mistake at least once a week, though. No. So on uh, March 5th, 1926, that is the first Friday of Lent. Um, no, I did not just know that offhand. I, I did have to have that told to me. Uh-huh. Um, Lesser known sequel, first uh-huh. Friday of Lent. That we're now starting to build the lore that Cody's a closeted Catholic. I'm telling you, born born again Catholic Cody is my is on my bingo card. God, can you imagine? I feel like you would you would win the whole damn universe if you if you have if you got that one right. It's on the five spaces in a row. If it happens once, I win. <laughs> but um yeah, she she had a wound that appeared slightly above her heart. Um, but she claimed to have kept this secret. So she says it was on the fifth of March that that wound appeared. Um, she did report a uh, that night a Jesus at Mount of Olives with the three apostles. Um, on the twelfth, she said she had another vision vision of uh, Christ at Mount Olivet. Um, that was the crowning of thorns, I think. Um, she said the wound reappeared on this day, and that day she told her sister about it again. So she says. Uh huh. She then claimed the wound reappeared on Friday the following week. Um, by the 26th, she had upped the ante to the wound came back, and also I saw Christ on the cross, and I had a wound on my left hand. Christ now, on the cross. Point, somebody... Yeah. yeah. Now, when you stub your toe, somebody... Christ on a cross. I prefer Christ on a cracker. That's my that's my <laughs> preferred pain pain expression. Or I think Jack's. Um, I think the one that Jack goes with is Jesus Christ on a shit bike. I'm pretty sure you said uh, that. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ on a shit bike is probably my Christ favorite. on a shit bike. I've never actually had it explained to me what a shit bike is, but we can get I into that later. I don't know. I heard it once, and I was like, "Cool, I'm keeping that forever." <laughs> it always Usually makes when me I swear think of a it's... train bike from the, you... train from the whitest kids robbery sketch. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when I swear, it's just all right. I need to explain my frustration with more swear words and Jesus Christ on a shit bike. Uh, encap- encapsulates that perfectly. God, if there was a single Catholic in the world who didn't hate us before this episode, we will have roped the rest of them in with this segment alone. Um, so by the 26th, she's upping the ante. Now she she sees Christ on the cross, and now she has a wound on her hand, too. This is the first time that any blood is observed on her clothing, you know, after three weeks of telling people this has been happening. So... Look, she can sleep know, in the nude. Just, don't, don't judge. Okay, but it seems like I would have done that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is all so an elaborate us... ad for Tide. <laughs> <laughs> now that. That's good stuff, Jack. That's good stuff. That's marketing. Yeah. <laughs> so, we finally get to Good Friday. Here's a guy brought to you by and Tide. And of course... <laughs> So Good Friday, of course, this is prime time for her. So at this point, she claims to have witnessed in her visions the entire passion of the Christ, which is bullshit because Mel Gibson wouldn't even be born for another 30 years. Now that's... Holy shit. I mean, we're uh-huh. just... We're on a roll! We're on a roll, people! 
This train Tony's cannot be stopped. Tony's been waiting nine um, weeks for all these Catholicism jokes. <laughs> I can feel this. This was his hey, first time he wanted referred, to wait. I've not called anybody a pedophile this entire segment, okay? I think I'm doing real good. Yeah. The third act, though. <laughs> well, it's nobody Catholic. The, the night is Maybe still young. you guys. But... <laughs> so she sees the entire passion. Um, she has wounds on both of her hands and feet accompanied by blood. Now, the funny thing about this was, though, of course, according to somebody or several people, actually, that were there, nobody actually saw any bleeding. They just saw blood. So, again, maybe not the most accurate. Um, on Easter Sunday, of course, this is the, uh, the, big, the big money show here. Uh, she claimed to see a vision of the resurrection. For several consecutive Fridays, she stated that she was experiencing sensorily the passion of the Christ. Like, she was feeling everything that happened during the... Which, I don't know exactly how that works. I'm just imagining she's just sitting there going, Ow! 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 God damn, this sucks! Ow! Yeah. Or at least that's what I'd be doing. It I feels like Judas just stabbed me. What the shit? <laughs> there's a reason they didn't let me be the messiah okay um you know what maybe they should have yeah well yeah that's what i keep telling everybody but they just tell me i have a 72 hour psychiatric i was gonna say last, last time he started saying this i didn't see you for a little while <laughs> <laughs> um but uh she so she starts doing that. Um, that's every Friday from now on. Um, on in 1928, um, because she appeared or she claimed to be having this every year, like every year on that week of Lent, this would happen to her. In 1928, she finally allowed somebody to investigate, and this is this must have been a really fun crowd to be in because it was a group of made up of half physicians and half bishops and catholic church officials so already strange bedfellows here yeah but um the director of the local university hospital which was kind of the head doctor on the case wrote a report about this and he said one of the things he pointed out in his book and this is maybe the funniest sentence in this entire thing says he found her behavior suspicious because the blood would only appear from her wounds when he was asked to leave the room. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit of a... <laughs> when you're like... It's the silliest damn thing I've ever heard. When you're like a little kid and you're trying to like do magic tricks for your parents, and you're, you're trying to make something disappear and you're like, okay, now close your eyes. And you like put it in your pocket like this is that not the same thing <laughs> <laughs> but it it worked on a bunch of doctors and bishops at least to some extent or to some of them anyway you know she she put a cloth over the apple and she said all right now close your eyes and the apple disappear and and i waited like 45 seconds and i opened my eyes and, and son of a bitch it was gone <laughs> There's, there's a bunch of, like, destroyed apples in the corner of the room, but son of a bitch, it's not in front of me anymore. I don't know how she does it. Now for my next miracle, the Lord they... will, will take your nose. 
These are all just people born without spatial awareness. Yeah. For object, for object, object permanence, permanence is just, just not existing in the 30s, apparently. Freak out. <laughs> Pookie's doing the trick just, now. Holy shit, that's I'm just imagining, like, she's, like, laying in a hospital oh, bed God, covered in blood. Top of your thumb. And there's, like, empty gallon jugs underneath the bed, just, like, hastily kicked under. Like, it's still spilling a little bit under the bed. But she's like, oh my god, where'd all this blood come from? And there's, like, a like a priest, like, kicking fucking cans underneath. <laughs> Where'd this blood come from, and why does it smell so tomato-y? <laughs> Save no, some of that, we're making pasta later. Like, the Catholic Church doesn't have the doesn't have the money to to get like real blood even cherry <laughs> got sheep blood <laughs> they they got the, the money and they got the means too <laughs> we're kids in the basement just for that purpose right now amazingly around this time the homeless population thinned out immensely it's 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 two miracles at the same time say so using a oh. Using a good metanel in front of a bunch of Italians would be to fake blood would be really not really pretty pretty well, audacious. This is happening in, this is happening in Germany, so oh, fair, they don't know anything. So yeah. Never mind. They don't, they don't have pasta in Germany. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so what this now? Wait, actually, can I? So this is happening in Germany in the 1930s. Late twenties, early thirties, yes. Oh, we're gonna get there. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna address that. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't gonna just completely forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why did the hairs on the back of my neck stand up? It's like somebody said Voldemort's name. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, so. Um, another really, really bizarre claim that she made was from 1923 up until her death in 1962. Um, she professed to have eaten no food other than the Eucharist and not to have drunk any water. Now, it just says no water here. So I, maybe she just drank beer all the time and was just like, I haven't drank any water in 30 years. So it sounds so like us at IC. All she's ate was the Eucharist. She's fucking hammered. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, she's not seeing Christ. She's just fucking zonked out of her mind. <laughs> but, I mean, she, she claims that she just, like, she took communion every day and that's it. She just didn't eat for the rest of her life. She didn't need anything. Now, well, the loophole. Uh, sorry, the loophole you're, here, you're about to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the loophole here. Is it didn't say how much of the Eucharist she ate, so she might have just been housing communion wafers straight out of the box. That's the thing. Like the Eucharist is just bread and wine. I mean, you can you can get on with bread and wine. It's, it's not a very interesting diet, but if you're taking the Eucharist every day, she's just a stay-at-home mom, wine drunk at noon, just like all right, I can't just eat Jesus. That's where the fucking blood came from, man. If all you eat is bread and all you drink is wine, you're gonna start bleeding from your fucking eyeballs. She, she, she was a wine mom. Cab, Sav. She's a wine mom. Just throwing up red wine. She's like, oh my god, this 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 blood. Definitely blood. Oh, that's dark. That's dark. See, it's I think we've line. cracked the case. This makes so much more sense now. <laughs> What, um, what was her favorite true crime podcast? 
<laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, oh. Oh, man. This oh. is our worst segment. She loved some... Uh, her one... She took the Eucharist with bubble tea. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. We want to dunk on moms more, or can we keep going? With no, let's, she let's got go. ordered a bunch of shit on Zilla. I'm done. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, all right. Um, eventually, this too was challenged um, in kind of a similar way. So, the way they went about this, the way they went about investigating these specific claims, uh, this happened in 1927. She allowed. Um, a doctor and uh, four nurses for 15 days. Now, during this time, she was not observed to have eaten anything. Here's the problem, though. I think maybe she didn't consider the fact that they were going to weigh her every day. To have it. So, yeah, she was not seen to have eaten anything. She also lost 11 pounds. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that convenient. What's that doctor's uh, name? Joseph? <clears throat> oh, boy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a Mengele joke. <laughs> no, he would have he found a much more interesting way to do this, probably. Reminder, first segment of the show is what we're on. A Mengele joke, but... Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the doctor just basically concludes at the end of this that, yeah, she's been faking this. She's been eating and drinking the whole time until we got here, and then she stopped, and now she's losing a bunch of weight. So, um, that was his conclusion. Uh, oddly enough, she never allowed anyone to investigate that particular claim ever again. She never again had a, a doctor in to, to check that out. Look, I just um, want to go on record to say the scales. Um, I just got I just got a word up from the big man. Uh, super, super frowned upon and illegal. Never weigh people ever again. Uh, direct orders from Jesus. Uh, so please stop fucking weighing me. So man, Anubis is going to have some words for Jesus with that. <laughs> Now we're making mythology jokes. I, I want to see how many different branches of, like, humor and religion we can get out of this story. Because right now we're hitting all the fucking, like, hitting all the bells. I, I would like to to think that the reason I'm here is why this is the smartest Here's a Guy podcast episode <laughs> ever. Yeah. I know that's incorrect, but I would like to think it. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Look, uh, because of my illiteracy and my stubbornness, I'm the smartest person in every room I walk into, so I believe you. Also, again, the night is young. I know a couple of these topics are stupid as shit, so we will get there. <laughs> yeah. So, Alex, you wanted to get to the Nazi stuff, which is a little sus. Now, wait wait okay, a second, fine. wait a second, we'll wait a second. We'll indulge you. No, 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 no. Don't interrupt me. This is your favorite part. I don't want you to miss anything. I know we're in a podcast only format, but somebody, if you ever clip that, just know that you have my blessing. <laughs> to be fair, I made the first Nazi joke. Your joke was implied. Mine was the first actual Nazi joke. Yeah. <laughs> I made the first Alex as a Nazi joke, is what I did. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a red today. I, now, I am, though, genuinely curious why how the Nazis okay. fit into this. I'm dying to know, actually. So... I mean, 
really just by virtue of existing at the same time as the Nazis. It's kind of unavoidable in Germany during this time, yeah. Yeah. So the Nazis did not like her. Really, really did not like her. Well, broken clock, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Because I, anything else she may have been, she was not a fan of the Nazis. Um, and she was not terribly shy about telling people that. And, you know, because the Catholic Church kept propping her up like a very obvious cardboard mannequin, because that's about as convincing as all of this was, um, she got pretty popular. And, you know, she was not shy about telling people, hey, the Nazis suck, we need to stop doing this. Um, she was never... Somehow the Nazis never got around to killing her, which is odd. They didn't. They didn't miss too many times, but she was never actually. Um, she was never actually hurt. Although her family home, a uh, parish church, a uh, parish church, and priest's house were all um, firebombed. I believe they perished. That but, is too bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they perished. God, God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Oh, was that was <laughs> the, the, the problem with that is that not only is that a bad pun, it's in horrible taste. There's no redeeming quality to it whatsoever. Sorry, this building that burned 80 years ago is is still born. It, 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 would, it would be in a lot worse taste if somebody had died. Yeah, no, I just heard that a building burned down. So. That, that shit happens daily. And I'll say, to be clear, this should go without saying, as much as this, this, as much as this gal sucks... I would I would root for her over the Nazis. That should be yes, very yes yes. I, I would not Absolutely. wish her any harm by the Nazis. That's also not the first church that's burned on this podcast. <laughs> we, yeah, <laughs> no. uh, out on a limb. I know that Belchcast is is on record saying we are pro punching your local Nazi. Um, I would assume that here's a guy is also pro punching your local Nazi. One hundred percent. We own a shirt that says punch more Nazis. So yeah, yes. yeah, I'm down with that. Hundred percent. I think yeah. we need a unofficial theme song. Is Nazi punks fuck off? My there you go. profile picture is Hellboy punching a Nazi in the face. So yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We'll we'll make that we'll make that proclamation right now. We are one hundred percent in favor of punching your local Nazi, absolutely. So yeah, somehow the Nazis never found a way to have her put away. So she was she made it through World War II pretty much fine. She died in nineteen sixty two, fairly old, of just a regular heart attack. But to this day, there's still a lot of speculation about. Um, the nature of these experiences she had. A lot of people, like, I obviously, I think you can tell from my, my commentary, tend to lean toward the fact that she was faking this. Um, there are multiple reasons that could be for, but there are a lot of people also that go the route of what's called, um, his, what was known back then as hysterics. Uh-huh. Um, and when you have a hysterical disease, basically it means the psychosomatic effects of the anxiety you have about having that thing can actually manifest itself physically. And the reason I, I bring this up in particular, not just to shed some light on it, but Alex, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but um, Alex and our grandpa was a town doctor in our little town yep. for over... 50 years Mm -hmm. and he had a story about this that he loved to tell because it's hard for people to believe, but this is absolutely true. Um, 
when he had been practicing for a little while, this would have been, I think, in the late 60s, early 70s, maybe, he had a teenage girl come in who was terrified that she was pregnant because she just had unprotected sex for the first time. And he told her, and she was, he said, she was really, really freaking out. And he said, look, there's probably nothing to worry about. The chances are still relatively remote. You know, you just, just don't assume it. But she was just absolutely convinced. Sure enough, she started, you know, swelling up. She started having all the symptoms you associate with pregnancy. And when it came time to do her first ultrasound at um, a couple months, there's nothing in there. Nothing. It was her anxiety caused her body to do that. So, you know, for for those skeptical about that possibility, your brain can make your body do some really, really amazing shit. And the yeah. wounds on her hands, they think likely it was she kind of blacked out and did it to herself. Like her brain had to create that blank space in order to, to fulfill, you know, what, what it wanted to happen. So hysterical hypochondria is kind of the blanket term, but it can be any any specific disease. Really cool horror movies where like that is literally just the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there genuinely are, yes. Yeah, it's when you consider that the brain is what runs the entire body and the brain is such a complex thing, it makes sense that the possibilities of what it can do to your body without even really you consciously knowing what it's doing are are pretty much endless. And it's a terrifying but a fascinating thing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Like if you're if your brain's a little bit broken, it can do some some crazy shit to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we all know that. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I'm mildly certain every single person sitting here in this call right now Correct. has some sort of mental health issue. and That is uh, that huh? is true. Yeah. It, it hurts. It hurts your body. <laughs> As someone yeah, who has been it's... in an episode and seen things, I, I know that quite well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, as... Yeah, it, it's... <clears throat> if you convince yourself of something... I mean, it just there. It's the possibilities are endless. So, you know, there's some dissenting opinion. Like I said, I tend to just because of how much this seemed to benefit her, I tend to lean a little further on the side of you know maybe it was intentional fate. But I I'm, I don't claim to know that by any means. Um, so that's pretty much the end of her story. Like I said, she managed to get through World War II, survived just fine. So I guess that brings me to my big question for this segment. So, if any one of you guys could, through a ridiculous hoax or act of fakery, convince the entire the entire world, the general public, of something, what would it be? Hmm. First of all, basically, if you could pull off if you could pull off any hoax in the world, what would it be? Hmm. Oh. Listen, man, I just want to be famous on the internet. Like, that's just a hoax in and of itself. That's true. <laughs> but you could have, like, a gimmick or something yeah. that you, you can sell people that shit. Just sell shit. That's fair. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get um, really, really, really tall platform shoes that are made out of glass, and I'm going to convince people that I can walk on the ocean. Like, really, really, really stupidly tall shoes. And I'm just going to stand in the ocean. That's a good one. I, I'm never so, going to move because I'm not going to be able to walk because it's going to be fucking shaky as shit <laughs> and sand. I, but uh, I'm going to stand out in the ocean for like six hours. I said I could stand on water. You want me to walk, that's an extra 50. <laughs> I, 
I'm going for the gusto, man. I'm going to be the guy that finally discovered, uh, uh, finally proved the existence of Bigfoot. And Ooh. what, whatever ben- what? So I mean, you know, what benefits come from being the guy who discovered Bigfoot? I don't know, but I'd love to find out. I want to bring sure that funny. They get you a job uh, on the Discovery Channel for life. Like, oh, I'll take it. I, I, I've gotten. I've talked a little bit about this on on the other show. I've gotten huge into like folk horror. Yeah, and part of it's because of a because of a D and D book that I bought. But uh, I I just joined a cryptids Facebook group. Oh yeah. I thought it would be a good like source of, you know, like cool stories and cool books and, you know, stuff to check out. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, Bigfoot this, guys this... are something, man. There there's yeah, gonna man, like, there's gonna be some big people are there's gonna be some Bigfoot guys discussed on the show eventually. Don't you worry. I got some on the list. <laughs> oh, yeah, like cryptid people are are a whole nother breed yeah, of crazy that I've never really been exposed to. Cause like I don't I don't know cryptid people. I tend to surround myself with at least mildly intelligent people. <laughs> yeah, the people that will give you that information will not be on the internet because they don't trust it. And, and here's the thing. Here's the really funny thing about this Facebook group. It is very specifically Appalachian. Oh-ho-hell-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-yes-
Yeah. Oh my god, this drunk alter ego from now on. Biff Stroganoff is dead. I'm gonna be Hulk for Hulk for Oh my god. Hulk Which, uh, you can't be saying Hulk for <laughs> You Which reminds me, I need to see I need to see Cody specifically in a D and D setting. Well, I have never played D and D before. I have done a oh. I have done one RPG that was it was not D and D, but I had a fucking blast. It's so, so I would fun. definitely be willing to try it sometime. It's it's fast. You told me not to worry about your show's like format, so I'm I'm just gonna start shilling my own products. No problem. I, you know, <laughs> That saves us. That saves us the responsibility of shilling it for you. So yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, I so much want to do a here's a guy D and D adventure. Oh my god! <laughs> like, you know, I something tells I bring, me to make that happen. I'll bring back Grok, uh, the lovable drunk golden retriever. <laughs> you can't bring back Grok because he exists in another campaign. Well, he's named Korg now. <laughs> He's Grok's cousin that no one talked about until this exact moment. I'll tell you, it's my... like a, you're going to wind up with a whole DC multiverse. <laughs> it, like, it, this, this is the Earth 2 version. It would make a lot of sense. because like How much time I spend writing Dungeons & Dragons lore. <laughs> just for me to take so the group on a fucking the... bar crawl. Because ultimately, I mean, the, the, the thing of playing D&D is you are building a guy or a gal yeah <laughs> it fits within the oh, mold perfectly that sounds wonderful we'll do it we'll do it a special another special here's a guy episode of everyone's D D characters oh god <laughs> oh my god my favorite yeah. um no, my favorite D D character in a in a campaign that i ever played is um my old D crew we we tried a couple failed attempts to do star wars campaigns they were extremely fun but they were just too chaotic to last my best was my 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 friend Logan um, did a character named uh, I can't remember the name of the species, but he's whatever he was whatever Salacious B Crumb was, and his character was our medic, oh, yeah. and his name was Doctor Yuck, and he was just <laughs> a little fucking troll. <laughs> Meanwhile, my character was a Mon Calamari who is a a, a pervert. <laughs> no. So that was the most fun. I mean, th that campaign was not built to last, as you can probably tell. Our characters were a little one-dimensional. I'm just imagining Mon Calamari that's a... It's a tit! <laughs> yeah! Like, give it's you some serious props, because I like to lean on my, like, huge fucking nerd status. But you dropped a Star Wars character that I had to Google. Yeah, Salacious B. Crumb. Was it, he was, was Salacious B. Crumb? He, he's yeah, job he's, that. He's, he's, a, he's a cult hero of Star Wars fans. Although, one guy... You know what? Actually, I'm not going to tell you my favorite Star Wars random obscure character, because I might use him for this podcast. Maybe. Okay. So I'm going to keep <laughs> it in my pocket. I just want to give... I, it's, here's he's a tit. It's a tit. I want It's a tit to have a little bit more, more room to breathe, because that may have actually broke me. <laughs> well Sorry. Done. Um, so an hour and a half later, we're finally through one guy. Maybe move it along. Yeah. Uh, fan, great, great, great first topic. We're not quite that far, but not, you're not, yeah, that we're, far we're, about, we're about, about, about an hour. Um, whatever. So it has no meaning here. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Great first topic. Um, and I believe I am up next. Um, so here's a guy and my guy 
his name is Bill Morrow, and I'm sure most of you out there have never heard of this guy because there's really not any reason to. He's not um, he's not well known. There's no Wikipedia article for this guy, but he was actually when I was sort of you know solidifying the idea for what this podcast was going to be. This was one of the guys I had in mind in like my upper echelon of, of people I wanted to talk about. Um, so with that lead in, who is Bill Morrow? In a basic sense, Bill is... I thought you knew. Uh, I, well, let's find out. It's an educational <laughs> show after all. <laughs> Bill, in what, oh, oh my God. Bill, in a sense, is an ordinary, average Joe kind of guy from southwestern Massachusetts who was an avid bowler in his spare time for many years. And then finally, one day, he bowled his first perfect game. Now, that story, in and of itself, is not too interesting. There are probably, other than the geography of it, there's probably lots of folks in the world with that exact story. In fact, my high score is a 299. Oh, so I'm curious. How does it feel to be the first loser? Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel good was, about that? Because that's a better score uh, than most people will ever be able it, to get. But it, it's heartbreaking. My only actual real bowling accolade is I've legitimately picked up the seven ten in tournament play. Nice. Which means I got I got a patch that said I did it. I did not know you were a bowling guy. I really. Did oh not yeah, know I was that. a varsity bowler in high school. How did you not know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. When you said you were doing a bowling topic, uh, I almost like messaged you. I'm like, this motherfucker's stealing my gimmick. He did wrestling and bowling. <laughs> this fuck. I knew um, Jack was a bowling guy, and I'm really excited to just shit on Jack about how he's not as good as this person that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but this guy who's probably a huge piece of shit is a better bowler than me, and I'm actually well, upset about it. He, he's, not mean, a, he's not a big piece of shit, but there was an unfortunate reason why he was inspired to bowl a 300, which, which I'll get to. Oh, um, no. <laughs> so the interesting thing about... Like, like I said, so that story in and of itself... Just the basic facts. It's not that interesting. The interesting thing about Bill Morrow was not who he was, or necessarily even what he did, but the circumstances surrounding what he did. In particular, when he did it. And this is a bit of a treat. So for those yeah. of you out there who have heard my appearance on Belchcast, may get a slight inkling of where I'm going with this. Oh, no. Jokes. So, yeah. and so I say when he did it. The day that Mr. Bill Morrow just so happened to bowl his very first perfect game, September 11th, 2001. God damn it. This is the story of the Bill Morrow, the man who bowled a perfect game on 9-11. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. This, this is why I didn't say who this was in the group chat, because there's this guy. <laughs> why? Oh, Bill picks up another strike. Oh, don't say strike. Oh, I bet that first 11 in a row was nerve wracking. <laughs> okay, hang on. He picks up the 9 11 split. Oh, shit, sorry. I'm angry at you because there's not 11 pins, but I'll let that slide. Are we really gonna How the fuck else was I going to get that out? Are we really going to talk about 9 11 immediately following the Nazi topic? <laughs> This. Look, we haven't been pro either of those things yet, so we're still fine. We need to be anti at least one of them. Because <laughs> you guys know what my topic is. <laughs> I will just point out, you agreed to come on this show. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Um, 
Uh, Mine our, happens in the European 30s. Fuck. Uh, official official stance of the podcast that 9-11 was bad. Nothing I'm about to say contradicts that. So, um, so this was not a well-known story for a long time. And again, why would it be? That makes sense because we as a nation had much bigger things to be concerned with. I'm imagining him bowling the 9-11 and then just like his like aim message like it's like best day ever oh my god and now that's what i like about that that's a very 2001 that's i had to time how he yeah. was fucking telling people about yeah. that i had to like log back how you would like brag about that so i really want his perfect game to have been in the morning was it in yeah. the was it in the morning we'll get that's to this but no it was not about um, that. because oh. leagues usually happen at night during the week and so, 9 11 yeah happened in the morning so i'll I'll get to this because there are a lot of when i say this like a lot of people there are a lot of lingering questions about what this means um <laughs> we'll address most if not all of them um so it makes sense that this was not a well-known story because as our country had a lot bigger things to be concerned with in the wake of the 9-11 terror attacks than some goofball in in massachusetts bowling a perfect game in fact, it was completely obscure and not known for 17 years, something close to that, <clears throat> until a tweet from an account at Jake S. Bender, June 29th, 2018, captioned, My brother was at a bowling alley in Western Mass, and he sent me this iconic photo of a dude who bowled a perfect game on 9-11. You can still find this tweet. Um, and yeah, it's just a picture from, like... Like a lot of bowling alleys, at this bowling alley, you build a perfect game. They take your picture, they put it up on the wall, they list your name, they list the date. So there it is, a picture of Bill Morrow. Bill Morrow, perfect game, September 11, 2001. Um, currently stands, I, wouldn't, I won't call it a viral smash hit, um, but it got some notoriety. It currently stands 5,223 retweets, 33,865 likes. So it got some... <laughs> oh, I just, I just found it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The face of a man yeah, who just Jack, pulled a perfect game Jack on just pulled it up. You can tell he wants to smile so bad, but he just can't let himself do it. So this tweet goes out, and a nice thing I will say about internet journalism is you see a reference to a story like this, someone out there will always want to dig deeper. In this case, thankfully, that someone was Luke O'Neill, who is a, a journalist who I happen to enjoy. Um, he wrote an article about this, um published November 29th, 2018. You can read. It's on his Substack, but it, this art, particular article is completely for free. You don't need a subscription or anything. Uh, it's a good, fun, brief read. Um, so he talks about seeing this, and he just knew he had to know more. Um, Luke had a hell of a time finding Bill, first of all. This bowling alley changed ownership in 2003. He starts going around and asking all over Berkshire County, Massachusetts, if they know a guy named Bill who bowled a perfect game on 9-11, and he talked, they treated him like a goddamn lunatic for even being interested in this. Which is like, definitely like, if you drag a purely internet thing into real life, we've all gotten this reaction where people look at oh, you yeah. like an insane person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, finally... Just my, my default state. <laughs> so finally... I Luke finds a contact info for a guy who he is pretty much positive as him. Ironically, he finds his contact info on September 11th, 2018. Um, <laughs> no joke. That is what happened. And so he's gotten such, you know, tough reactions from people so far. The word he'd use to describe him calling this number is sheepishly. He very sheepishly calls this number and it's answered by Bill's wife. 
her reaction to this is interesting. She was not at all surprised. Um, she was very ready to take the call. It's almost as if she'd been waiting for this day to come. It's almost like the old lady from Titanic. They were ready to finally tell this story. <laughs> um, every, every like nine eleven for the last seventeen years, she's just been like looking at the phone, just like, "This is the day. This is the day it happens." So she, somebody's gonna figure this out. So she puts him in touch with Bill, who's sixty-seven years old at this point, and nobody knows anything about this guy. We've just seen this picture. Thankfully, Bill is. Like, the nicest, most talkative guy. Like, even, like, he did one interview and accidentally got deleted on his laptop. And, like, he had to call him up say, like, I'm so sorry, man. Do it again. He's like, yeah, no problem. He's just, like, the sweetest guy. So, here is the story. Um, so, first of all, to answer a big lingering question that was already asked here, because that was my question. Um, he did know what was happening when he bolted. It happened in the evening, not... I was going to say, nobody yeah. in the world didn't know what had happened that day right. unless you lived in a fucking barn someplace. Look, man, bowler mindset, you got to have a clear head. Every frame is new. You got to white, like completely white noise everything out. You're only focused on those 10 pins. I get it. I've been there. I forget about 9-11 all the time when I bowl. So when I say that... You haven't been there, Jack. You haven't bowled a perfect game. I was there for 11 <laughs> frames. For 11, 11 throws, I was throwing a perfect game. And then I fucking hung a four pin. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, well, nobody talks about the guy who almost... Nobody talks yeah. about the pitcher who almost threw a perfect game and then got walked off with a double. Like, no, nobody talks about that guy. No, no, it, it's because you bowl 299, you throw 11 strikes, and then you leave one pin left. You essentially, you walk the last batter, and then you get the out. Like, you you blow it. Like, you yeah. have a really good game. You have a complete game no-hitter. But no one gives a shit about complete game no-hitters. So, when I say that Bill was an ordinary guy, I really mean that. I mean, his his personal life was that on at this time, he had been working at a local paper mill for a while, and... When Luke goes to interview him, he's still working at that paper mill. I mean, he's just a, a salt-of-the-earth guy. Um, but there are a couple pretty good twists in this story, I think. Um, so how this played out is that, like a lot of people, Bill was at work when the news broke of what was going on. And I, I referenced something similar to this when I talked about Jimmy Scott, the Flood of 93 guy. Um, you know, this is America, so... Um, one of the, the the greatest tragedies in the history of the nation unfolding before everyone's eyes, seeing thousands of people die, does not mean that you get to go home from work. So, first thing <laughs> that Bill did was he finished his shift. Um, because he had American. Um, and so he, he gets home in the afternoon, and the reason why they go bowling was, it was almost just exactly the like a big Lebowski thing. They're just like, fuck it, dude, let's go bowling. Because <laughs> um, the bowling alley was open. And so, um, this was not, it's not really fair to completely call it escapism because you can't, on that day, you cannot escape what's going on. People yeah, at no. the bowling alley are talking about it. Like the TVs on the, at the bar all have news coverage on. So, like, he's not escaping from this at all. Um, but, so, you know, he, he's fully aware of everything happening even while he's bowling. Quick question. Was he just like going bowling by himself or was he a part of a league? Like, was he just like, fuck it, let's just go bowling like tonight? So this part is a little unclear. I mean, he 
Because usually you wouldn't celebrate a 300 unless it was like part of a league or like some like sanctioned bullshit. But again, all all fucking bowling alleys are different. Yeah, and I don't know because he mentioned that he had been in rec leagues for a while. I don't know if this was a sanctioned or if it was just for fun. Yeah. Um. Because so he had been bowling for a while. He'd been part of rec leagues, but he had never bowled a 300. So, what? Why this day of all days that he finally pulled it off? The way he tells it, how I'll summarize it, it's just so interesting. So, like a lot of people, when this horrible, horrible tragedy happened, was gripped with, like, an intense sense of, like, patriotism and, like, inspiration. And, like, the post-9-11 world in America really sucked. I mean, even as kids, we could kind of tell. Um, it was such a bizarre place. Yeah. Because people got gripped with such a tense, such an intense sense of patriotism that I will say, like, you know, spilled over into nationalism quite often. And, you know, sometimes the byproduct was just, like, a bunch of shitty, like, Alan Jackson songs where people were trying to profit off of what happened. Some of it was, like, outright, like, censorship by the government that was going on that was not good. Well, and look, we're even still... Like living in, uh, we're obviously living in post nine eleven America, and and a lot of the political discourse that's going on now is a direct result of that that sort of situation. You have to turn the funny podcast serious. But no, that's. I was going to you say know, your yeah. your very serious point aside. If Toby Keith wasn't your favorite artist, your favorite artist in two thousand two, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean. A lot of what happened with American culture in the wake of, of 9-11 was really awful and not productive. So Bill, though, seems to be one of the few people in the entire country, to his credit, who was able to channel this in a healthy way. So he's seen what's happened. He knows that America's under attack. Thousands of people are dead. What does Bill do? Bill went out there and he bowled his fucking ass off. That's what happened. Bold a perfect game, first in oh. his career. Um, Bill said, I'm going to win one for the Gipper. <laughs> um, you know what? Those Iraqis, they can't bowl a fucking strike. I'm going to roll 12 of them. So Luca Mostly when, because they've never seen a bowling alley. But <laughs> when, Doesn't matter. Going to do it. When Luca O'Neill caught up with him, um, they confirmed this was his only perfect game to date. And in fact, he quit bowling around 2006 because in true salt-of-the-earth New England man fashion, he got in a dispute with the new ownership of the bowling alley and then quit entirely because the next closest alley he felt was too far away. Um, you chowder shit! You got <laughs> terrible chowder! I want to hear... A, I, there, as far as I know, there's no video interview with this guy, which is a shame, because I want to hear what his accent sounds oh, like. I'm sure it's great. Blow this fucking chowder! So, fucking wolf! <laughs> Cody, I I now demand that any D and D character you play in a campaign that I run has that just absolutely garbage Boston accent. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I've got a lot of other garbage like, accents that are full, fun too. Full Mark Wahlberg, you gotta like fully like throw it in there. <laughs> With Mark Wahlberg, it's not like ding. That's just what he sounds. Yeah, like. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> But it always just sounds terrible. <laughs> we we got a transformer here. Fucking cop. Fucking cop. 
<laughs> so here is um, probably my favorite twist in this story. So oh, I'm, no. I'm reading the Luke O'Neill interview, and um, he just kind of, Bill kind of out of nowhere references like, um, so Luke asked him, like, do you remember what people were saying, like any of the conversation were happening? Like, no, just discussing who did it and why they managed to get on board. You can think about it now. There's all these conspiracy theories they have out there now. I've been looking at a lot of that online. And Luke, being the good interviewer he is, says, you find a little suspicious how the buildings came down, right? And Bill says, oh, yeah. You hear the experts say it was a planned demolition, the way they came down, thermite and different things that were used and how fast they cleaned up and got rid of evidence. You got to admit they did a quick job cleaning up that mess to get things back in order. And Building 7 wasn't affected at all. It just came down. That was very suspicious to me. So this is such a fascinating twist to me. Because what oh, this no. means is that Bill Morrow, the man who is so moved and inspired by the tragedy of 9-11 that he went out there and bowled a perfect game, later went on to question the official narrative of the events. And I cannot imagine what kind of existential hell that that leaves this man in. So whoever he, whoever he was bowling against could have just walked up to him before his last throw and just whispered in his ear, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. It would have ruined his entire game. Yeah. If, so if I, this... Go ahead. I'd like to imagine, and Jack, don't correct me if I'm wrong. I will. I, I'll punch you. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that a bowler, like, on the verge of a perfect game is the same as, like, a pitcher on the verge of a perfect game. Like, yeah. Nobody fucking speaks to him. Yep. Nobody, like... Just leave him the fuck alone. You yeah. don't say good luck. You don't say good job. You you leave you leave him by himself to deal with what he's doing. Yeah. So around like the fifth said, frame. Don't correct me. No, no. I, I'm explaining why you're correct. I'm explaining why you're correct. Uh, around the fifth frame in bowling, like if you've noticed, somebody has like the first five strikes. You do not fucking mention that to them. You you treat them the same way you have the like, whatever. Um, when I was bowling. Um, like you, you get in like this, like ritualistic routine, like you do the same shit every time and you try to replicate your results, but like, you'll notice, like I did mine in open bowling, which means like it wasn't a part of league. It was just me and my friend drew just fucking bowling. Cause we had free game tickets to go bowl. And like, after I threw my 10th strike, I noticed people from the back of the alley who were working came back and watched behind me. And I was like, all right, cool. You guys can fuck off and stop doing this now. I would like no extra pressure from you ass fucks. So yeah, no, you 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 notice your surroundings. Everyone stops bowling around you. Like regular courtesy is you don't bowl next to somebody who's actively bowling. If you've got like nine in a row, like five lanes have stopped doing anything around you, and you're very aware of how quiet a bowling alley gets. How did that pressure feel when you fucked up your perfect game? Uh, I um I was so pissed. I jumped up and like pissed awfully. Went to like stop <laughs> my knee and I hyperextended my knee. I was so pissed. Uh, I'm sorry, I've had very few like opportunities to really dunk on you, and the couple <laughs> that I've had have been kind of ruthless. <laughs> no, no, it was I was I was 17, um, and it was like right before like my junior leagues were starting, and we were just bowling for fun, and it was the best game I've ever bowled in my goddamn life. And then I hyperextended my knee because I was so pissed that I fucked it up. I so how I wow. how I imagine. Bill coming to these revelations is a little bit like, you know, the, the final scene of the usual suspects where the detective, like it finally <laughs> dawns on him. 
Um, I imagine Bill scenes in in like modern cinema too. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it's a similar thing with Bill. Like, let's just say one morning he was like reminiscing with his wife about it, and he remembers something about the way that he hit two pins, or you know, like the way that, that the pins fell. And he's standing there holding his coffee, and it's like the end of the Usual Suspects. He just like slow motion drops the coffee mug as he starts to. <laughs> There's a guy in the back with a fucking broom sweeping the back row to make sure he gets the perfect game. That may have also been the douchiest sentence I've ever said. <laughs> what a perfect, like, the, the best scene in modern cinema. I'll have you know, uh, it's actually quite acclaimed what you just referenced there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've just made enemies with film Twitter. Um, <laughs> Good. So Luke actually gets into a little bit more of his belief system. And just to sum it up, Bill Morrow, he hated Donald Trump. He was lukewarm on the Clintons. He liked Bernie Sanders. So in other words, he had similar politics to multiple hosts, pretty much all yeah. of the hosts of this show. He just also <laughs> yeah. happen, he also happens to have some takes on Building 7. You know? I, he, he's a complex man like most people from New England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so You just described the politics of... Every host of this show. Yes, exactly. We just summed up. He's one of us. He just also has some thoughts on 9-11. One of us. One of us. So they published Uh, that interview. Google gobbled too hard. So that was in 2018. The last one that we have heard of Bill Morrow, um, there's an addendum uh, at the bottom of the article. He reached back out to Luke on the anniversary of 9-11 last year in 2020. Uh, reached out to Luke again just to say, um, first of all, and here's a nice little happy ending. Bill finally retired from the paper mill after 50 years of working there. Um, that he said he was doing well, that his family was taking every precaution against COVID-19, and he hoped that every other family was doing the same. And yeah. I'll, I, it's good that he says this, because the COVID-19 pandemic, when you really think about it, even though it happened over a more prolonged period of time, is is one of the other biggest uh, tragedies that this nation, if not this world, has seen in this particular and is era, still happening. and is still happening, and yet, unlike nine eleven, is a, a, a tragedy where going to a bowling alley would not be the right response to it. And so, <laughs> I am just happy that Bill found a, a better way to deal with tragedies. I, I'm glad he has more uh, cards in his hand than going bowling. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that, and that he's happy and healthy. So cheers to Bill. You, you have some weird thoughts on some certain things, but you seem like a great guy um, and uh, has seemed to have embraced having a very weird legacy. So uh, shout out to to our, our uh, to uh, Bill Morrow. So that brings all me right. to my Prost. so that brings me to my my big question uh, for all of you. Whatever your your favorite hobby is, um, would witnessing a uh, national tragedy of the type of 9-11 where it happens all at once, would it make you perform better or worse or have no effect um, that same day if you were to engage in that hobby on the same day? Hmm. So, so, you know, this is a big surprise, but uh, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? You haven't mentioned that before, actually. I've never no, heard of that. It's, it's not even like a, a, a defining part of my personality or anything. <laughs> um, 
I when when COVID started, I wrote a like world ender disease mm-hmm. for one of my uh, one of my homebrew universes, and I I ended up cutting it. I ended up like I, I spent hours and hours writing on this, and uh, I cut it because it it just made me angry. Like and and beyond the fact that like personally everything that's been going on has, has been making me angry, um, but it was just it was it's kind of a fact is stranger than fiction thing, right? You know, ten years yeah. ago, if I wrote this plot, everyone would be like, "Are you an idiot?" <laughs> kind of thing, like. It's a very unrealistic set of circumstances you've set up. Clearly, all of these systems won't fall, and everyone won't be an idiot. Right. This is unrealistic. It's it's the it's the thing that nobody can watch like a disaster movie anymore because when when the the bad guy doesn't believe the the scientist, they're like, oh, that's so totally unrealistic. It's yep. like, is it though? Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> all right. So how about how about Cody and Jack? Um, hmm. So, I mean, it depends on really which one of my hobbies I go with here. And most of my hobbies are not super competitive. So I, I wouldn't have that particular, you know, issue where I was trying to, you know, I, I needed to focus like say Bill did, but yeah, I mean, you know, if I were doing a writing or a comedy project or something like that, which is, you know, something we all like to do. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would definitely skew things I would think toward the negative because at least for me, there is a certain amount of time that has to pass before your brain really starts connecting the, the jokey yeah. wires as far as like, you don't really, even if something is funny in retrospect about um, some aspect of this tragedy, you know, you just don't really see it right away. Yeah. Because yeah. your brain's not in that space. So, are just drinking? <laughs> well, I I could probably do that better. That, that, I, so I was I was gonna wait to see which uh, route Cody took because I was gonna say if he doesn't take it, I'm going to drink my ass off better than anyone has ever done. And I know that I can do that because for the 2016 election, I got drunker than I've ever been and had a two day hangover. Because I was so obliterated the night of the election for 2016. A lot of people have similar See, stories to that. I found. Yeah, yeah. I See, remember yeah, I going got, still drunk, drunk to the too. grocery store the next morning with my head the lowest it's ever been, buying like a 12 pack of Powerade and like some granola bars, and then sheepishly going back to my apartment still hammered. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, that definitely puts day. you in a drinking mood. I had to work the next day. I remember going to bed thinking there's no way there's no way he's going to win. I remember thinking that and then uh I kept drinking whiskey because I was watching live news and I was like, "Oh, those num- that that number's getting smaller. It's oh, it's it's going the wrong way." And See, then I dedicated the next 4 hours to getting obliterated so I would forget it happened. See, I I was watching this. I was watching it at a bar and me and one of my other friends that I was there with 
were the only two people who really in that were there with us anyway that really understood the electoral system well enough to figure out which way it was going even before he actually took the lead like when yeah. when Hillary still had more delegates you were like, like there's three states that say this is fucked and they're already states red that are not going the way that they need to be going and those are big big states so which is why yeah. I'm okay saying personally uh, Florida is an enemy for life yeah all of Florida if you're from Florida enemy for life we're up more just more <laughs> geographic enemies for for here's a guy I'm ready to take on the whole goddamn country no I had um Unique in in the four of us is that I'm a Disney adult. Mm-hmm. True. Oh, yeah. I didn't we, know that. We might need to cancel both Three of us have fondness for some Disney content. We're just not into well, it enough. Disney content Disney or adults. Disney World, because those are two different kinds of adults, and one of them is significantly worse. See, Listen. I've never been to Disney World, so my my wife and I went to Disney for an anniversary. So, uh, <laughs> enemy for life, Pookie. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I am I am a Disney adult. But I've never been to the one in California and I want to go to that one way more cuz they do like way cooler stuff at that Yeah, one. yeah, so we we can nuke all of fucking Florida and you can still have Tokyo Disney, LA <laughs> Disney, Paris Disney. You got options. Just the rest of them are significantly more expensive cuz they're further away. Oh yeah, yeah, but I mean Florida I don't think they're gonna let you go to any of them after you nuke Florida. You might be allowed in California more easily. All right. Well, two great topics so far. Um, turning now, we're so very, very honored to turn to our special guest, Pookie. Pookie, who is your guy? So, since you guys started this show, I have had. I've had several guys in mind because the idea was, uh, and this is kind of a precursor, but the idea was always to kind of have this like universal set of hosts, right? Yes. And I always kind of knew eventually I'm going to be on this show. Yes. This was one of the guys that I was like, I, I have to talk about this guy. Have you ever wondered what would happen if Tommy Wiseau directed video game movies? Well, now I do. Oh, <laughs> you just so, made, you just made my brain blue screen <laughs> trying to imagine. <laughs> so, so my guy is Uva Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uva Bowl is a director, an infamously bad director. Like, Homeboy has won more Razzies than I think anyone else. That's hyperbole. I don't have a source for it. But, uh, so Uva Bowl, um, as a kid, he used to make, like, Super 8 flicks, right? Like, he'd, he'd make home movies on his Super 8. Um, he went and grew up and got a PhD in literature. Mm-hmm. And okay. this is important. Because he has a PhD in literature, and I'm about to read some of the movies that Uwe Boll has directed. So Uwe Boll has a PhD in literature. Uwe Boll has directed um, probably the most famous, the one that maybe most people would know, is Alone in the Dark. Okay. 
Okay, I know what that is. I have not seen it, but I have heard tales. Okay. Famously bad movie. He also did the Blood Rain movies, <laughs> which is which are movies based on the Blood Rain video games. Have have any of you guys seen any of the Blood Rain movies? I remember seeing trailers for the first one, um, but I have not actually seen it. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, this looks like dog shit. <laughs> I, yeah, you I've not would, seen them. You would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. this, By the way, Alone this... in the Dark sitting at a, a pretty 2.4 out of 10 rating on IMDb. Yeah. That's better than uh, I thought I'd have. That's not the worst movie we've talked about. Has 34 director credits on IMDb. Yeesh! Wait, wait, hold on. Repeat that sentence, because that didn't sound like it should be real. Uva Bowl has 34 director credits on IMDb. That's way more than I expected. Yeah. I mean, if you can't be good, be prolific, I guess. So It's, uh, it's Westbrook. You're just putting up all these shots, and eventually you'll score 30 a game. <laughs> He's a gunner. He's the film industry's gunner, yeah. So, Uva Bowl, he did, a, he did a postal movie... He did a Far Cry movie. He did the Blood Rain movies. He did the three front of them. Three of them, by the way. Three Blood Rain movies. Um, I, I, he did. He yeah, did Rampage. Yeah, and it was fucking terrible. Right? That makes more sense. Yeah, That's why I'm like, was, wait, why is that bad. familiar? I feel like yeah. you. I they ran it on like the Sci-Fi Channel one day, and that might have been how I saw it during yeah. one of their blocks of terrible movies. Yeah, <laughs> I feel he like did, he. He did Alone in the Dark. He did the In the Name of the King movies. Which Never are... That. Yeah, they're, they're famously bad fantasy flicks. <laughs> I, okay. I, I, so, going back briefly, I feel like if you were to do a movie that would really do justice to Postal, it would, like, not be allowed on film. Um, yeah, no, that's one of those, like, it's barely allowed to be a video game. Yeah. The Supreme like Court had to, the Supreme Court had to discuss whether it was even legal. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact: the Supreme Court justices actually some of them at least played postal researching when that case went before them, and supposedly Justice Breyer was quite good at it. Did the Supreme Court have have experience with um, hatred? I don't think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, in a sense, sure. <laughs> yeah. So no, 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 hatred. Sorry, I don't know if this reference may have been lost. Hatred uh, was a famously violent video game. I don't that know. Came out. Uh, it, it's it's literally you play a mass shooter. Yeah, there's a I lot don't... of like murder porn like sim games, and that's one of them. It's like that postal. I, just... I don't the know idea... if they dealt with hatred, but I know they dealt with postal for sure. Yeah, I postal, I just. Like... Famously just, had some uh, had some like X rated stuff around it. Yeah. Sorry, Cody. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, the I am just it's still in my brain, so that's okay. The image of Clarence Thomas sitting there in his boxers eating Cheetos playing Postal <laughs> is maybe the funniest thing my brain has conjured up all day. <laughs> so there is a lot that we could talk about with Uva Bowl. Um, I am. I'm big into B-movies. I'm huge into horror flicks. And because I'm huge into floor horror flicks, like, B-movies are also a staple of that. And so I was introduced to uh, Uva Bowl 
from uh, another podcast. Um, talked about it on the Belchcast before, but it's the, the Jimquisition and uh, uh, James Stephanie Sterling. They uh, talk about uh, he does some video game movie reviews. And we've been spoiled in the last five years or so with competent video game movies. Like, <laughs> Detective Pikachu came out. Like, the Sonic movie came out. Like, <laughs> these were competent films. Yeah. They're not amazing. They're passable. And they're, like, mindless good movies. Yeah. See, like, I can... Yeah, I, I can't tell you that I would go and watch Sonic, the yeah. movie, and it would do much for me, but I'm thinking back to me at age 9, 10, 11. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. That's a solid movie. Like, exactly. The Super Mario movie that's going to come out in uh, however many years. It's oh, going to be I probably don't... bad, yeah. but it won't be offensively bad. Yes. I probably. Don't I don't know. Chris Pratt's Every, the voice actor. Heard, I, I have heard some buzz so far that it might wind up being yeah. worse than like the original Mario Brothers movie. Oh, uh, I mean, Jack Black is Bowser, so it's immediately a C-grade movie. Sure. That's exactly. I mean, that's exactly the point. We had the live-action Mario movie. We yeah. had, we had all of these garbage B-movies. The fucking, the Super Mario's movie. Mortal I mean, the one from the 80s is actually trash. So yeah, no, we're, we're at a better, better point or spot. I tried to say both at the same time. We're better area now. And so Uva Ball directed several of these bad, bad, bad video game movies. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, there's a lot we can talk about with Uva Ball. There are, there are two and a half projects that I really want to get into. Okay. One is, this is, this is the half. This is Blood Rain 3, The Third Reich. It's, cool. it's Blood Rain, The Third Reich. Right? And this is, this is very exciting to me because we've basically been foreshadowing all of my topics <laughs> all episode. And I I've was going to say, yeah. how did we get another <laughs> fucking Nazi reference in here? We've been foreshadowing everything I've been talking about all episode. Or everything I've been talking about all episode. Very excited about it. Uh, so, Blood Rain: The Third Reich was a bad video game movie based on the Blood Rain video games, where Rain, the the titular character, kills Nazis. Mm-hmm. Awesome! It's garbage. If you want to watch <laughs> a garbage movie, watch literally anything by Uwe Boll. It's just absolute trash. It's it's delivered so, poorly. It like every character, every actor is very obviously not be that they are there. So I've watched Blood Rain the Third Reich. And I've also watched the the film I'm going to talk about in a moment. I think um, I know what film you're gonna talk about. You might. <laughs> I looked up his IMDb and one immediately jumped out to me as a oh yeah. fuck why if you looked I, up his IMDb look it up because I want to be surprised so real quick Uva Bull found a way to take just slaying Nazis and make it boring <laughs> not necessarily that it's boring it's just very very poorly done 
I see. Like, we've all seen bad video game movies. You know, oh, Super yeah. Mario Brothers is kind of like the prime example. Dragon Ball Evolution happened, and I think that's still the worst of all time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, there have been bad video game movies. They made a fucking Double Dragon movie, I think, at some you, point. Yeah. Listen, man, they made a Mortal Kombat movie. They made a couple. Yeah, <laughs> last year, like, if you've seen the 80s and night or the, the 90s Mortal Kombat movies, like... Listen, we've seen some bad fucking video game yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah, we have. Yeah, that's The again. history of video games movies basically said, all right, cool, no one can ever make them again because they're all trash. Like, everyone had two decades to figure it out and no one could do it. The funny thing is how good some of the more recent video game movies right, have been. Right, right. They're finally figuring it out, I think. It, it seems like they're finally giving them the attention they deserve, kind of. Honestly, Detective Pikachu was a good flick. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fine. I'm not gonna put it on my Oscar list, but right. it was it was okay. Yeah, it was it was perfectly watchable. Danny DeVito deserves Best Supporting Actor, so I will disagree. So it was Ryan Reynolds, but it was supposed to be Danny DeVito. Uva Bowl had this idea that he wanted to do, and he couldn't get the funding for it. And his solution for this was while filming Blood Rain the Third Reich, he would at the same time be filming an action comedy movie at the same time. Okay. Now, this action comedy movie is called Blubberella. <laughs> okay, that's not the movie I thought you were going to talk about. Blubberella? But also, what the fuck? I badly need to know more about this. So All I can think of is Clobberella from Futurama, which was Lila's alter ego. I was trying to pull out of my brain. Yes, Yes. it's Clobberella. That's it. So Blubberella is essentially a shot-for-shot remake of Blood Rain the Third Reich. Except set in a a more comedic light with a heavy girl playing rain oh god damn it so okay so that's that's horrible on several different fronts yes so this is basically a a an hour and a half movie of fat shaming right dude if somebody if somebody told me that i had been cast in a movie with a title like that, in a role with a name like that, not only would I not accept, I would immediately punch them in the face. Mom, mom, I finally made my big break. I'm going to be the star in a movie. Don't ask any other questions, though. This is some of the hardest I've ever tried to not laugh a lot. (laughs) And I will just say, because I'm sure that it is not funny... Because it's extremely uncool to do. That said, the fact that someone would think this is a good idea is extremely funny. This is a thing. This is why I brought it up earlier. This is someone with a PhD in literature. <laughs> so I looked at their IMDb list just while we were talking about this because I wanted to see what else they've done. This is somehow more offensive than a movie they made that's literally just called Auschwitz. <laughs> what? So, 
It's gonna get more offensive. Oh no! Don't <laughs> Hold on. So, so I just just looking at IMDb, I'm gonna read the first sentence from the review of Auschwitz, and that's why I thought you were going for this one. Controversial director Uwe Boll depicts the harsh reality of the processes inside one of the most infamous Nazi death camps by using brutally realistic imagery. That is the first sentence for fucking Auschwitz the movie. You know what? That almost, that sounds that sounds like it's got more artistic merit than anything else he's done. So I have not seen Auschwitz. I'm actually not super familiar with it. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, hold on. Can I can I say what you just can happened? Can I say what you just happened? It. So yeah, you can address it. So what just happened was that Pookie's wife, Kelsey, walked in, uh, bringing him food, and based on the time, in the time that she was in the room, all that Pookie said was, I've not seen Auschwitz. (laughs) God in heaven. You know, I imagine that's not the weirdest thing that Kelsey <laughs> hears him say non sequitur on a daily basis. She, she knows so it so perfectly too. She's like, "Yep, this is my life." Bless her, man. She didn't blink an eye. <laughs> she rolls with the punches pretty good. God. She's walked in on Belchcast recordings, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. That's so, so, uh, Lindsay Hollister, who plays Blubberella. She she's been interviewed several times about this film, very obviously, right? So, um, with an interview, she she says, "I've been doing this for ten years. While I've been extremely lucky to play some amazing characters, I've watched roles dry up, and I've been shut out of even auditioning for many character roles because I'm too large." You know, she says this um, in, in the context of you know why she would. Uh, play this character or you know even in the the diminishing um opportunity for large actresses to find work in hollywood Mm -hmm. right so so she says that on taking the role of blubberella she she goes on to say this movie would have been done with or without me it would have been a lot more offensive if i hadn't done it but i didn't win the war about the title i hate the title so a, a lot of this comes into like intention of the director versus intention of of the actors and sure. it, it's, and that's complicated to begin yeah. with. I mean, just it would take hours to even discuss. Yeah. Um. So. So we haven't even gotten. I mean, fat shaming and and fat people jokes. Like, listen, fuck off. I'm a big yeah, fat yeah. guy. Like, fuck you. I can still kick your ass, though. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, she's not, like, that, like, she's a normal plus-sized woman. It's not like she's just, like, a grotesque human being. She's a normal-sized fucking person, yeah. which is the most fucked up part. Like, I'm looking at the IMDb now. She's just a normal person. Like, yeah, she's large, but I wouldn't be like, oh, look at this. You don't, that's fucked up. That's so fucked up. Yeah, so, I'll, I'll, I'll say official stance of the podcast is anti-fat shaming. We're pretty... I think that one's pretty abundantly clear. Yeah. Also, yeah. extra fuck you to the people who who lie and say that they're just concerned about public health. Fuck off. Yeah. Also, uh, extra fuck off to fat shaming Nazis. That's right. Yeah. So there's a scene in Blubberella 
Now, now we're getting to the offensive part. Oh, <laughs> oh finally, we're finally there. Oh, so there's a scene in Blubberella uh, where we see Blubberella's mother in blackface. Oh, god damn it! No, 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 no. Of course, there's a blackface scene amongst all the rest of this. Of course, oh. yeah, yeah. So it, it's <laughs> it, it's. Kind of in the middle of the flick. It's, uh... It's made fun of throughout the movie. It's kind of like shaming itself for using blackface in the movie. Uh-huh. At that point, why? Why? Right? Like, yeah, not blackface point... is still blackface. Yeah. Yeah, that's not one of those things you can do ironically. Like, yeah, even it's always sunny, like... Mm, you still kind of did it, but like, yeah. and they still made fun of it. Still, it's like, oh, you and still they, did it. Though. And they had a much better point, and it still was almost. No, I, I'm just imagining in the movie that like she's doing blackface, and the Nazis see it, and they're just like, whoa, whoa, hey. That would be a funny joke, not... Pookie. Were the Nazis offended by blackface? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, that would be a much funnier joke, to be honest. It's like a. It's like a flashback scene. It really doesn't matter. It was super shitty to do. It's like, hey, let's uh, let's see how much more offensive we can make this movie. So, Uva Bowl just absolutely dragged by critics. Now, this is the other project I want to talk about. So, Uva Bowl challenged his critics in 2006. That he's been he's been receiving you know Razzies he's been just absolutely dragged by critics and he challenges his critics to put up or shut up and he challenges them to a ten round boxing match. Uh huh. Because <laughs> uh -huh. that makes any makes any difference whatsoever yeah. to whether your movie like, suck or not. No, exactly. This is the least satisfying. <laughs> turn of events with Uvavol because he wins every fight. He knocks every single one of them out. That sucks. <laughs> Probably why he I challenged mean, people to the fight, you know? I, I would have given Mike Tyson 500 bucks to tell Uvavol that his movie sucked. So, to be eligible to fight, the critic <clears throat> must have written two extremely re negative reviews of Bull in print or on the web in 2005. Very so all of these fights are documented in, in a, in a uh, documentary called Raging Bull. B-O-L-L -L, spelled the same oh, as his last name. That's so Why corny, that man. This, among, other thing, among all the other problems, this guy is corny as shit. That, I, I mean, do not appreciate that. It, it's corny, but that's probably the smartest fucking thing he's ever written. <laughs> Yeah, that's at least a cohesive pun. It's just bad. Yeah. So so he he does these fights with critics, and I mean, like these are these are journalists, right? These are these are just normal ass people doing their job, watching terrible movies, and telling people how fucking terrible they are. But he knocks out every single one of his opponents. <laughs> in this challenge so, if if you beat up a movie critic 
that's like the least impressed I'm ever going to be yeah. at hearing that you want to fight. Because like, was... it's not like you knocked out a construction worker right. or a I... boxer. Or... I was going to say, this is just long con form of being like, hey, in like 15 years, I want to beat up 10 nerds. All right, what's the most <laughs> ridiculous way I can get to that point? And I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll just rationalize beating up 10 nerds. I just want to address this line of thinking, because I'll see this sometimes. I've had people say this to me like when I'll have a pr- particularly audacious take about something. The line is like, well, you wouldn't say that to their face. Fucking of course I would. What difference? Is that? What are they going to do? Kick my ass? Who cares? Then they've kicked my ass. I'm still right. What difference does it make? Why is that something that people think matters? You know, it probably sucked to get my ass kicked, but this this nation was a lot better when people weren't afraid to get their ass kicked. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, <clears throat> first and foremost, the vast majority of people, I don't care what they say, will probably not fight you just yeah. for saying something bad about them. There's there's been a couple guys. Total psycho. But, you know, it, that's that's not the normal turn of events. There's been a couple guys where I've looked them up, and, like, I'll probably talk about one of them here shortly. But, like, people would shit-talk him on Twitter, and they'd be like, oh, fuck you. And he'd just respond back with, no, fuck you. And he's like, what are you going to do about it, you fucking nerd on the internet? Go fuck your own self. And everyone's like, this guy's insane. It's like, no, any person would tell you to go fuck yourself right back. Yeah, right, exactly. no, that's that's a totally normal interaction yeah. to have. That's a normal response, I would think. I told several people on Twitter to go fuck themselves. I'm a somewhat normal functioning person. Yep, that's just the thing you can do sometimes. Yeah, and it's. I just wish I had more, a platform to organize a boxing match with them. Sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a lot more productive than organizing <laughs> a boxing match. So long boxing story is fake short. Anyway. <laughs> long story short, uh, this is a. Terrible human being, which is uh, part of the reason I wanted to talk about him so much. Um, and I just wanted more people to know that his movies exist, <laughs> and to be to be as sad about it as I am. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look up some of these movies for sure because, like, yeah, I've got a feeling on how they play out, and I I need to see that reassured as to I've, that. I've bad. got to see Blubberella now. I've got to see it. Also, like, this is why I compared him to Tommy Wiseau, right? Because who else would challenge his critics to a fucking boxing match? Also, uh, I'm kind of drunk, so I quickly read the Wikipedia. There's an actor named Brendan Fletcher in Blubberella, and I swear to God I read Brendan Fraser for a minute, and I was going to be so excited. You know, for for a while, that could have been possible. That might have been all he could get. Here's the fucked up thing. Uva Ball has worked with some good actors. He's worked with Ben Kingsley. Um, he's worked yeah, ben Kingsley with... Ben Kingsley do fucking anything, apparently. Well, he will, but uh, he's worked with... Um... I, I should have had this ready to go. I'm Jason sorry. Jason Statham was in fucking yeah. uh, Name of the King. Yeah, wow. Jason Statham is the main character Ron in Name Perlman of the King. Ron Perlman is in that? Ron Perlman yeah. is in it as well. What? Ron Perlman's okay. another one of those guys, though, that will do about anything you throw at him. Yeah, I mean, Ron Perlman is, is he's a hes a B-movie guy. Like, yeah. I, I'm honestly surprised he never worked with uh, Bruce Campbell. Um, yeah. But he's worked with some 
Like, Let's look at Vern Troyer in Postal. Okay, I'll watch it. You got Vern Troyer in it, I'll watch it. That could uh, go badly. Far Cry. Um, like, he's he's worked... He Till Schweiger... Till Schweiger was in, uh, was in uh, Far Cry. Till Schweiger is the, the main character. Uh, okay. Those of you who are not familiar, uh, Sergeant Hugo Stiglitz in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, very nice. Yeah, one, he's been. I mean, one more name drop. J.K. Simmons is apparently in Postal, so now I just oh have to watch God. it. Just because it's it's a weird like combination of people that I actually kind of like to see in movies. Yeah, I, I will watch almost actors. I will watch huh. almost anything with J.K. Simmons in it for real. Also, Lindsay Hollister, who was also in Blubberella, was also in Postal, so that's cool. It's nice yeah, like he's worked with some good actors. Huh. A lot of the. Good actors have only worked with him once. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. So short. I wonder if that's like. Wonder if that's like a backroom thing at the SAG conferences where they like (laughs) all gamble or draw straws, and whoever loses has to do a movie with Uva Bowl. Cody, it's like our favorite movie of all time. Was it uh, movie forty eight? Forty three. Yeah. Or movie forty three, where it's just like every actress or an actor who ever lost a bet. And like owed somebody a favor was in that movie. See, when we watch that, I, I maintain the same opinion of it today. Half of it is god awful. The other half is surprisingly funny. I mean, Halle Berry's tit was in Guacamole, and that's. that's I, I still, I still think the moment where because they're playing Truth or Dare, the moment where she blew out the the candles on the blind kid's birthday cake before he could fucking lost it and i still do every time i see it that is just hysterical if if you want to watch just shit cinema movie 43 has probably the most quotable scene i guess you can go out of all time uh it's i think it's the last scene of the movie where they're uh, making fun of tower uh, yes uh they're doing white people basketball yeah it is yeah, it was, it my was favorite, like, five minutes of cinema, I think it is, like it ends up being. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Cody and I can order. See, you two can laugh about this. I, I saw that horse shit on a date, and I had to explain what, to my oh. date why, why I brought her to, to watch that. Why I thought it was going to be funny, so. See, like, we Emma were... Stone, Halle Berry, it's, it's got so many good actors. That's all movies. I said. It had a good cast. See, that was my only defense. Me and Jack watched it while day drinking one time for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Much better In situation. Than... It, it was around the time where everyone was like, this is the worst movie of all time. And Cody and I were like, fucking bet. We got nothing better to do today. So if you, if you wanted some relief, I'm going to give it to you and then I'm going to immediately take it away. <laughs> uh, Uva Ball... Retired from filmmaking yeah! in 2016. Bless. He is unretired and is working on a film called Hanau, which, if you're familiar with World War II history, <laughs> the face that Alex made uh, is encapsulates all of my emotions. He's working on a film called Hanau, uh, that is in post-production as we speak. Oh, boy. <laughs> Someone needs to stop just, this man. Worse. <laughs> Someone needs to stop yeah, this man like before he directs it again. Of, it's like he's doing it out of spite now. Well, fantastic. What a horrible, horrible man this is. <laughs> so, this brings me to my, to my big question for yeah. all of you. Yeah. 
I'm not gonna lie, I totally forgot this was part of your show. Until... Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Making them uh, up on the spot honestly, is a, is a yeah. tradition on the show. Almost some before. Too, I forget I to write my questions. Way, so. I forget to write my questions. So I'm halfway through presenting it. I'm like, oh fuck, I need a question, don't I? Yeah, yeah. You were to direct a video game movie, good or bad. What movie would you direct? Easy. Wario Land 4. Sick. That's a good one. Um, For me, I'm going with... Uh, I think I'm going... Tecmo Bowl. The story of the Unstoppable <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> that might actually be really good. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Alright. Uh, I'm going to keep it classic as well. Sega Genesis Lion King. Uh, it's a movie that stops yeah. immediately as soon as the second act starts because you can't get past the treetop uh, draft level. <laughs> I, th- I think a funny concept for a video game movie would be r- doing a remake of E.T., but based on the, the infamous <laughs> E.T. game that had the level that you couldn't complete. <laughs> yeah. It'd be just the like, game... ex- it would just be existential horror, I think. <laughs> The game where they like made like half a million copies and sold twenty five thousand, and then they literally buried a bunch in the yes. desert in fucking Nevada. Yeah. We probably need to talk about that on this show sometime because that is a <laughs> yeah. really really insane oh shit situation. See, my initial idea was like Pong, just to <laughs> see how, see if it was even remotely possible to make a movie out of that. My first idea was Minecraft, and it's the movie about nothing, where you're, you're just like mindlessly just like taking out blocks. But then you said Tecmo Bowl, and it reminded me of the Genesis, dude. Even though I those cannot, are two totally different uh, consoles, I, I cannot tell you how surprised I am that they have not made a Minecraft movie yet. Because give that's it, what you do when something becomes a big part of culture is you make a big fucking popcorn movie about it, like the goddamn Minions and the Emoji Movie. And all that other stupid shit. Remember Battleship? Believe- oh, oh god the- damn it, I try not to. Sergeant Lego Rihanna. Movies. The Lego movies. Yeah. Like Yeah. Saw that one. I just I, I I really I I actually the saw the Lego movies were great. Yeah, the Lego the Lego- also yeah. the Lego I'm- Batman movie was actually surprisingly watchable. I'm learning that apparently if Alex goes to see a movie on a date, it's automatically a shit film. I saw a lot I of fucking terrible luck. Had terrible luck with that too. I, I don't think it's just him. <laughs> the the thing I'll point out is that you know when you when you have been dating someone for a while and you live in Jacksonville, Illinois, and there's not that much to do, you kind of just go see whatever movie is out. And um, you know the only one that was really a fiasco was Now You See Me, and that's because I wouldn't stop complaining afterwards, and I've still not stopped complaining about it uh, uh, ten years since. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's just my final say on that, but, um... Remind me tomorrow, I think I'm gonna finally give you that platform. <laughs> I, we don't have, I don't know if we'll have time for that, but we'll see. <laughs> no, no. If you allow him to do this whole thing, I will not be on the show. <laughs> I anyway. categorically refuse. Oh. I've canceled, just being on this show, I've canceled it, like, three times. <laughs> <laughs> um... All right, well, well, that was a great topic. Um, what a freak this guy is. Thank you so much for that, Pookie. Um, perfect mold for what we're looking for on this program. Uh, and so that leaves us um, for the last uh, subject of our bonus episode. We turn to Jack, and I'm sure you'll all be thrilled to find out 
Folks, we're talking wrestling once again. Jack, who's your guy this week? I, I know my wheelhouse, and I will I will be happy to say that my guy is entirely a wrestler, but he is known for one very specific wrestling moment. Correct. I am talking about Anton Berachevich, a.k.a. the great Antonio. He is one of my favorite stories of when keeping it real goes wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, Anton uh, was born in 1925 in Yugoslavia. <clears throat> Um, he later in life would claim that he was from Italy, but no one really knew where he was from. And the reason why no one really ever knows where he was from is because he was really secretive about it. Um, and if you're wondering, why would he be secretive about where he's from? Usually a lot of people have a great history and kind of like reprise about telling you about their culture and their experiences is because he grew up in Europe in the thirties and forties. And as it turns out... Not a great fucking time to be in Europe was the 30s and 40s in Yugoslavia. If you hadn't figured you that out by out. the entire rest of this podcast. Alex, you missed out by not talking about Nazis this week. I know. <laughs> I actually had a couple of Nazi-related topics I could have gone into, but no, after, I decided to take the high road and talk about 9-11 instead. After, after the second point, I was like, fuck, we're all theming this around like the 40s in Europe accidentally... And it's, it's kind of beautiful. But yeah, so um, what's great about Anton is he gets the fuck out. And he moves to Canada in 1945, where he would spend most of his life. Yeah. Uh, but he would, uh, if anyone would ever talk about his childhood or his upbringing, he would be very kind of like sheepish or he would brush it off. He just would not talk about it. And a lot of people speculate he had a lot of psychological trauma, uh, which is to be expected of somebody growing up and being essentially in the ages of like five to 20 in that area. Mm -hmm. But he moves to uh, Montreal in 45 and uh, Anton is a very large man, even at a young age. Um, it was said that uh, during his adulthood life, um, and this is quotes from Anton himself. And what we'll learn with quotes from Anton is Anton becomes this sort of like, mythological folklore hero of his area. So Anton would say that in a sitting he could eat 25 whole chickens or 10 steaks at a time. Instead of Paul Bunyan, you just get this fucking guy. <laughs> this guy is basically Canadian Paul Bunyan. Like, he but, is a so he so, he's, so he eats like Andre the Giant. Yes. Um, but uh, slightly, slightly smaller than Andre, uh, Anton comes in at a measly 6'4". But 400 pounds. Damn! Anton is a massive fucking piece of meat as a human being. It was said. He he was big. Uh, Sounds like he's built like the Kool Aid Man. (laughs) It was said that at his biggest, he was hitting 465. Uh, God damn. His suits, when he would wear suits later in life, they would be a size 90, which seems excessive. (laughs) And his shoe size was 28. Yeah, so, you know, it's big boy season. Yeah. And yeah, Shaq was, what, 24? So Yeah. yeah. So, so An- uh, Anton, uh, a massive, 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 absolute unit. Um, he did make some notable uh, ripples and waves. He ended up being a strongman very early in his career, in his life. He yeah, ended- I made some fucking ripples and waves. <laughs> Fuck off. Jumped into a pool. <laughs> no, I, wait, I had a different one. I, make some ripples and waves? Did someone uh, uh, smack his belly? <laughs> 
Well, I didn't know how much material we get out of that <laughs> after the anti-fat shaming segment we just did. Well, look. I mean, I, I'm, it's he, okay that he that he was a big fat guy. He just was. I mean, that's fine, a statement of fact. It's fine when I do it. When you do it, it's problematic. Right. No. But no, he 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 didn't, he wasn't just fat. He was strong. Um, yeah, so he yeah. made it into the Guinness Book of World Records in 1952 when he pulled a 433-ton train in Montreal uh, on tracks 19.8 meters. So ah, he, damn. he was strong as fuck. I think I read that he had the power of what was essentially 10 actual horses. Hmm. Like, he was thick, and he had power to show it. So... That Boy. that build yeah. that build makes a lot more sense now because if you've ever watched like those world's strongest man competitions, yeah, they're all built like that. They're all about six and a half feet tall and about six and a half feet wide. If if I can make a, a reference that three people will understand, uh, Billy Phila, but like six inches taller, <laughs> like like okay, strong yeah. and just like built muscle, like thick strong. Yep, yeah, Billy was a big boy. Yeah. But so, if you listen, <laughs> shout out to Billy Phillip, friend of the show. No, so he also had another world record where he pulled four city buses loaded with passengers along the street in Montreal that put him in the uh, Guinness Book of World Records in 1960. So he was he was kind of a like known celebrity in Montreal for just being like freakishly strong, but kind of like really personable at the same time. He he ended up getting this kind of aura on him, especially in his later life, where people just kind of like loved talking about him. Like he was essentially a living folk hero. Nice. Uh, there was one story that I read where um, Anton was either bored or just wanted to show somebody that he could do it. He affixed a rope to a bus that was in active transport. Like it was stopped and picking up people and Anton just started dragging the fucking bus just because he could. The bus was full of people, and he was just like, I'm going to move this fucking bus because I can. I do that all the time. I don't see what the big deal is. Uh, it was said it that the driver... really bad time for the driver to slam on the gas. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was said the driver... It didn't say this in exact words, but I could only describe him as incredulous. Sure. The, the driver was basically... The driver was basically just like, dude, I've got a fucking route to drive. What are you doing? Please stop dude, doing this. If uh, you think... If you think running into a flash mob on the road is bad, imagine being a bus driver who some giant psycho just decides is your bus is his new toy for a while. Like it is it's like I'm a big fella, and and Cody is also a big fella. We're and, roughly the same size, yes. And and people tend to just let us do whatever the fuck we want because we're bigger That's than them. True. That's true. It's it's funny you say that because in this exact instance, the police were called. Yeah, um, like, and and the cops show up, and they literally it said like I, I read this in two different sources, so it's at least true or a great story. But the police let it happen because they were like, "What the fuck are we gonna do? He doesn't fit in our squad car." Never mind that shit. Here comes Mongo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like honestly, from every story that I've read about Anton, it's it's Clifford the Big Red Dog energy. Like yeah. he's somebody who was born into a society much larger than he was supposed to be, and he has chaotic energy about him, but he means no physical harm in doing so. 
Kind of like okay. Freddy the Cat. Can I, yeah. I was going to say, can <laughs> I just point Society. out how ironic it is that Freddy is on screen right now when you gave that <laughs> yeah. description? When, when, yeah, big fat guy with chaotic energy uh, describes my cat perfectly. But very but very well-meaning. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, so again, like I said, um, Anton ends up getting to be about 6'4", 265 pounds at his biggest. Uh, he starts getting a lot of attention. Again, he's starting to hold board records. He's he's essentially a working strongman. Uh, in this era, he's basically a carnival attraction. And so he's getting work on Ed Sullivan's show. He's getting work with Johnny Carson. He's on NBC shows. He's doing a lot of kind of like the rounds of like freak show power muscle house guy. Like that's his aura. That's what he's doing. And that's how he's making his living. It was said um, around this point that he was actually making a substantial bit of money um, I read a quote that said in the 70s, he was making enough money to buy a new custom-made Lincoln Continental every two years. I don't know if that means that he needed to buy one every two years because he was outgrowing it or breaking it, or that <laughs> it was just a flex of how much money he was making. He, that's, I think that's why he, he went with the Lincoln Continental, because that extra wheel in the middle distributes the weight a little bit better. <laughs> he... Uh... He he was he was uncomfortably large at times, but again, from what I read, everyone loved him. A heart of gold and just like kind of a guy who was just like, I'm big and I kind of have some issues, but everyone's gonna kind of like when like I'm around. Um, Do you ever want to describe the opposite of Cody? <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> big and everyone loved him. Yeah, yeah. the opposite. Well. <laughs> So there was a story of his landlord because he, he he rented a a building and the landlord uh, when like asked about like like how was Anton like as a tenant like did you have any like issues like how was it accommodating a person that large and that kind of like physically demanding and the landlord was basically like yeah like he was great but like every couple months we'd have to replace the toilet because he kept shattering it oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, now shattering that's that's a whole nother issue, but as a large fella, yeah, I can speak to the fact that like toilets are not made for for a gentleman my size. Yeah. So it's uncomfortable to sit on a fucking toilet, man. So so shatter might be aggressive, but the exact quote that I have here is a nice boy, but so big. Every time he sits on the toilet, bang, toilet breaks. My son fixes and fixes and fixes, always the same. Boom, toilet breaks again. I think that was Pookie's uh, report card from third grade that you just read. <laughs> a nice boy, but so big. There's like, uh, it's a three talkative, four, doesn't hand in homework on time, five, big boy breaks toilets, boom. <laughs> I can only accept that because I've been dunking on you kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, that's for all the bowling shit. <laughs> so... Uh, a couple more um, interesting fun facts about uh, Anton before I get to the reason that Anton is so famous worldwide. Um, when asked, Anton was asked kind of like what made him so strong because he was, he was a strong man and he was kind of known for just like being able to take shit. Uh, he once said he was training by running head on into trees from a distance of 60 meters. Me, an expert on physical strength, to understand is to do it, but no one can do it. Six billion people in the world, no energy, no strength, nobody understand. You understand. That makes no goddamn sense to anyone else, right? Or did I just have a stroke? 
Like uh, you all heard the same thing I did. Anton has Charlie Kelly, Charlie Kelly energy in the sense that he was also illiterate. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm like I'm. That doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm not gonna tell him that. Yeah. So basically, what Anton was saying in this exact quote is to train to how to be strong. He would run headfirst into a tree from about sixty meters, but and anyone see? else who would do that would die. <laughs> see, also. There is no logical way in which that actually makes you stronger. It might make you more durable. It will certainly make you more concussed, but it's not going to make you strong. I mean, basically, all you're getting out of it is the 60 meters worth of wind sprints and then the callus that develops on your forehead. Like, I, I just don't see how that makes you stronger. Someone who, who legitimately watches, like, World's Strongest Man shit, like... Like, uh, uh, Andrew Shaw and Thor and, uh, Eddie Helm and, like, all those Magnus guys, Carlson. like, yeah, like, I, I follow them on, like, social medias and shit, and I, I look at their training programs, and, and none of them have ever run first at a tree from a 60 meters. It, it, at least not as part of their training. Well, I mean, done that on their day off or something. But have any of them been Anta Perichevich? No. Yeah, he might be onto something. <laughs> um, so the reason that Anton is most well known, especially in like the wrestling sphere, is Anton also did a little bit of wrestling on the side. Uh, he ended up uh, being, like I said, he was kind of like a, a, a freak show strongman gimmick. And when I say freak show, I mean that he was much larger than everyone else. So he was seen as an attraction. So what a lot of wrestling promoters would do is they would put him in handicap matches, which means like it's like one man versus three man. Uh-huh. And that's really kind of where he got his niche, is it's watch the man wrestle three men and it, win it, with ease. It's a good way to like showcase that this guy has like some unusual size, but also to cover up his deficiencies. Yes, technically he was not a wrestler. Yeah. He was a strong man at heart. Right. Wrestlers uh, so a of unusual size? I don't think they exist. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things that I ended up finding, um, Anton wrestled an actual bear and wow. won. Uh, and again, this is a lot more of like the circus era of wrestling, but like um, trained bears. That's some Russian years. shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I, I, I think if you look into this, you're going to find out that they gave that bear several salmon to take a dive. <laughs> the the, bear, the bear was well paid. The bear was definitely well paid. Anton <laughs> strong like bear. I, I love I love that after all this like Nazi shit that we've talked about in this episode, you come yeah. through with the, the cutest joke of the whole thing, like two plus hours in. I mean somebody had to do it. We needed a palate cleanser. I mean honestly, Anton is it's it's a great wholesome story. Except for when we get to the main point of why Anton is so well known. Right. And that is when Anton went to Japan to fight Antonio Inoki. Yeah. And Antonio Inoki, the founder of New Japan Pro Wrestling, basically God, Jesus, and John Cena and Hulk Hogan all in one person. I I think on on one of the Dark Side episodes when Antonio Inoki came up, someone who is familiar with Japanese wrestling said, like, you know how big Hulk Hogan was at his peak in the U.S. Multiply that by like ten, and that's how big Antonio yeah. Inoki was. He was like Antonio a, Inoki. Yeah, he's massive. Was a legitimate politician in Japan as well, like yeah. a huge, huge, huge figure. Someone who I've considered talking about before on this show, but 
he is an extensive, extensive man. It would not do any justice to how prolific he is as a person. So he goes to fight Antonio Inoki in Japan. And Antonio Inoki, in case you were wondering, is not a small man. So Antonio Inoki um, is billed at 6'3", 225 pounds, and has a chin that would make the crimson chin look minuscule. His chin is unbelievable. This like, See, his, chin, his chin is like Bruce Campbell on steroids. Yes. Yeah. Like, legitimately Japanese Elvis, like, very muscular-looking, strong, like, everything that you can think of as machismo in, like, the fucking, like, 1900 to 2000, Antonio Inoki hits that shit easily. So he's shit. fighting... Sorry. <laughs> I have no idea who this person is, and I just did a Google image search. He's hot, right? You're not exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, like I said, he he is everything that I'm describing, and I'm probably short selling him. Antonio Inoki is that dude. Uh, but again, he he founds New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is a huge star in Japan in every sense of the word. And Antonio Inoki uh, is going to fight uh, Anton Berchevitz. Anton going now by the name the Great Antonio uh, as his wrestling name. Uh, it's a little confusing because the Great Antonio is fighting. Antonio Anoki, so I will call it Anokio and the Great Anoki. Oh, sorry, the Great Antonio versus Anoki from here on out, just to help myself clear everything. Sure. Okay. So um, basically, what happens is the Great Antonio to this point, his whole shtick is he doesn't sell for anybody, and what I mean by that, in like a more like layman's term, is like if you punch him, he's not going to react, and he's gonna like puff up his chest and say, "I'm that dude that didn't hurt." The problem is, though, is that Anoki is very, very strong and very, very beloved. And again, has like this like Hulk Hogan energy of just like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you because I'm stronger. So you kind of get this like warring faction of ideals. And I don't know if it was like a language barrier. Um, the Great Antonio is mostly speaking French. I actually found a documentary that I wanted to watch, but it was entirely in French. And I didn't trust YouTube subtitles to watch it and take notes on it. But basically, the great Antonio is just like, I'm a big dude. I fight five dudes at a time. I don't give a fuck about you. Good luck fighting me. <laughs> um, and yeah. and this match, very famously, uh, Bill Burr did a bit on his podcast about it where he talks about wrestling and how you should go look up this match. Because unfortunately for our friend, the great Antonio, he gets the shit beat out of yeah. him here. Yeah. Um, and what I mean, when I said earlier, when it, when keeping it real goes wrong, I don't know if uh, Antonio believed his own gimmick, or if he legitimately thought that he was fighting like essentially like circus dudes for his whole like wrestling career that he could get away with this. But what ends up happening is Anoki uh, uh, starts doing it by like some like classic like wrestling like roles and like working around the ring and showing his athleticism. And um, the great Antonio just shoves him immediately in the beginning of this match. This match is about six minutes long, and I've got a couple notes, but the main point of it is is that anything that Inoki does to try to make this a wrestling match, the great Antonio is having none of it and is just shoving him, putting him in like legit headlocks and holding him there. And after the first headlock, uh, Inoki gets out of it, and the camera shows his face, and Inoki is visibly pissed off. Visibly, visibly angry. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of just like still they're shoving each other around still and you can kind of tell it's not working like a traditional wrestling match would Anoki gets put in a second headlock and then kind of shoves it out 
And then, like, they're kind of, like, talking back and forth. And Inoki throws a punch, like, an actual punch at the great Antonio. And it kind of, like, like whiffs off his head a little bit. Uh, the man runs at trees uh, for practice, so that's not going to hurt him. It's not going to really phase him. And I don't know if the great Antonio knew who Inoki was, but he essentially starts, like, puffing his chest, literally smacking it in front of it. And the Japanese audience is now laughing and is oh, making bet. a mockery of everything. Um, Anoki, a very serious man, is now pissed. Like, absolutely physically irate. And does a legit, like, judo leg takedown and drops the Great Antonio. What ends up happening is uh, the Great Antonio is kind of, like, uh, on his hands and knees, kind of just, like, having been taken down, gathering his shit. He's 450 pounds. He's not going to pick back up. Anoki then kicks him in the face three times. <laughs> Un unprotected kicks him in the fucking face three times. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm watching the video that you shared of this match, because I didn't get a chance to watch it before we recorded because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> and I, I just watched the part where where Antonio Inoki stomps on his fucking head yeah. like <laughs> six times. And, yeah. and the great Antonio stands up and his face is all fucking covered in blood. Holy shit, dude! Yeah. The so, and uh, Shin just beat the fuck out of this dude. <laughs> yeah, no, so so Inoki kicks him three times and the great Antonio goes fucking dead to the earth prone. And he is not moving. Inoki then kicks him, I counted, ten more times in the back of the head and face. Jeez. Yikes actually beats the shit out of him. And it's not really explained ever that I could find why uh, the great Antonio thought that this was a good idea to upstage, again, probably the biggest Japanese wrestling star of all time at that point. Um, but basically, his wrestling career kind of ends right there. I bet. Just as it's kind of picking up. Yeah. I mean, See, if I were him, I would end it voluntarily right there because <laughs> you wouldn't come out for this. I'm surprised he didn't get like killed. Antonio yeah. Noki is genuinely probably one of the last people in Japan you want to mess with in any way, right. shape, or form. And Anoki, as somebody who prides himself on finding like legitimate tough, strong men, and there's a huge history of Japanese wrestling way beyond this that I don't have time to discuss on why you don't fuck with Anoki because he prides himself on strength and actual beat the shit out of you realness. Um, it really just seemed like a like it, it looked like Antonio pissed Anoki off, like yeah. actually made him mad. It's That's what it looked like. It's one of the most famous, it's called a shoot fight. It's when it's happening for real in the ring. Uh, it's one of the more famous shoot fights of all time. Um, and it's basically one of those, here's why you don't fuck with people who are working with you. Because they can actually murder the shit out of you if they wanted to. Right, right. Yep. So uh, what ends up happening is uh, the great Antonio goes back to Canada and kind of lives out the rest of his life for a very long time. He ends up living until 2003. Lives a full fucking life. Lives to be 77. Becomes kind of a local folklore hero in Montreal still. Uh, it was said that he had a home office based out of a local Dunkin' Donuts. He didn't have a home phone. If you wanted to reach him, you had to call Dunkin' Donuts in Montreal. <laughs> and they would relay the message to him. 
<laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's um, great. There there were workers after he had passed, they'd asked like the, the workers at Dunkin' Donuts, like, hey, like, what can you tell us about the Grand Antonio? Like and like, oh yeah, no, he hot here all the fucking time. They had a bench outside of Dunkin' Donuts where he essentially like worked out his home office, whatever, and he would just like run the shit with people. He was very friendly with the locals. Like everyone loved him. He was kind of like a lovable oaf is what the best I could describe him as. Like people liked you know, him. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a lovable oaf. Yeah, right. much worse things in the world than being a lovable oaf. We we are a pro oaf podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a pro oaf podcast. We're a bit oafish ourselves, you know. Yep. But, no, um, never. The the last <laughs> thing that I'll talk about Antonio, uh, the great Antonio, is that he uh, because he would obviously he would pull out of like buses and trains and shit with his body, he ended up growing out his hair pretty much his entire life, and weaving it into this like kind of gross but like physically strong dreadlock weave contraption, <laughs> and he would he would put like metal rings around his hair to help latch onto things so he could pull multiple things at a time, and it became a freak show Jesus. attraction. I don't know that I've ever heard somebody describe someone else's hair as a contraption. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that implies the best way. Nervous, but I guess in this case it does. Yeah. So, Antonio Inoki, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The great Antonio, through his entire life, basically lived his whole life as a public persona of folklore. We joked about it earlier, a Canadian Paul Bunyan living in the flesh. A strong man with uncomfortable amounts of strength, who unfortunately at one point kept it too real and got his ass kicked. Nice. Which leads me to my question for you guys. You are partaking in a environment, a, a practice, whatever have you. Um, but whatever you're doing... The legend in that field kicks your fucking ass in front of everybody. What field are you going to be in, and who's kicking your ass? Mm. Well, huge note that I make another Dungeons and Dragons rest. Go for sure. it. Absolutely. Listen, if Matt Mercer were to beat the piss out of me, I would take it with a smile. <laughs> in my line Fair of enough. in my line of work as a trial attorney. Um, probably the most famous trial attorney of all time is Clarence Darrow, and I won't get into him too much because I may talk about him on the show eventually um, for some of his antics. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if he kicked my ass, it's just that's to be expected. Um, it frankly it would be an honor to have Clarence Darrow kick my ass. <laughs> so I'm playing uh, pickup football in the park with the boys, right? Okay. Uh huh. Decide to get a little cocky, maybe throw my weight around, throw uh -huh. a legit hit. On yep. whoever's uh, whoever's carrying the ball next. Yep. I look up through the line, and after I've already committed to my move, who should be bearing down on me carrying a football? But Bo Jackson. Yeah. I wake up in the hospital six days later, <laughs> having been on a feeding tube. I have lost some weight. I also cannot remember my name, but I remember his. It was <laughs> Bo Jackson. Probably happy that you have made two Bo Jackson jokes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. In three that's hours. What, that's what made me go with Bo Jackson. I, I legitimately, I was thinking like Larry Steven. Zonka or John Riggins or, or Jerome Bettis or somebody else who was notorious for running you over. But Steven Jackson would be another good one in that mold. 
Yeah, he, that's he true. Just, he will just stiff arm your head off of your body. Yeah, listen, if Walter Payton like ran me the fuck over and put cleat marks on my face, I'd, I'd die with a boner. <laughs> see, see, Walter Payton. That wasn't really his go-to though. He just juke you out of shorts. Now Jim Brown. Oh my God, Jim Brown would put you in the goddamn cemetery. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, Ed Reed were to, like, put yeah, a clean hit on me, carry me in the ball. I'm fine with that. I was going to say. That's how I lived my life, was Ed Reed murdered me, carrying me the ball. I'm I was going to say. I imagine going, he was like a running back. Roots. Going back to your Bears fan roots, Dick Butkus. Ooh. I kill the man. When, so, <laughs> when you when you said pick up football, I imagine you as the running back, and you like getting through the line, and you getting to the second level, and then James Harrison is there, and he puts <laughs> down like the three hundred and fifty pounds that he was bench pressing, looks at you, and just like shoves the shit out of you for forty five yards. See a reference from my youth back then. The last guy you wanted to see get into that secondary was uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Roy Williams. Ooh. Yeah. <clears throat> I just or, pictured uh, he was a human hit stick. I just pictured James Harrison hitting you with the cheapest shot of all time <laughs> because he can. He's using the weight that he was lifting. He smacks it at you like a sword. <laughs> did, it, did it end with me falling like like a Family Guy fall? Yeah, where your arms <laughs> just behind like, your back, motionless. Or to get one more in of my youth, uh, you you get all the way to the secondary, and Bob Sanders, all three foot yeah. six of him. Uncleats you <laughs> with the biggest fucking jump hit you've ever seen. Or another possible future topic of the show that I was thinking about, Ronnie Lotts. <laughs> um, yeah. Just knocks your head clean. Sean Taylor, RIP. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good one there. But yeah, that that's uh that is the great Antonio. And we we've got in a, a little uh name and uh, remember some guys session too. How about that? Yeah, Lightning we listed round. some things. Well we always try and do at least once a show. Well, holy shit everybody what a show um yep. so thrilled to finally do our our cross uh crossover with belchcast but as i said earlier this is only part one we've still got the belchcast episode coming up that we're going to be recording soon um so excited for how big of a shit show that's gonna be <laughs> i know even it's, uh, it's this episode but two and a half times drunker keep in mind this is the one that is structured what you have just listened to <laughs> This two and yeah. a half fucking whatever hours of whatever this is, this is the structured one. You don't there's, even know what's coming. There's probably, uh, for every person here, we probably each had about two pages of notes. Just for, like, content-wise and driving yeah. a narrative. Yeah. I take no notes for Belchcast. Pookie takes about a page of notes. We we have not, for, for whatever this is, Cody and I have not really gotten to cut loose on a podcast yet. <laughs> Yeah, so that's true. Um, but anyway, thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed this uh, special extra long bonus episode, um, part one of our Christmas crossover with Belchcast. Um, what a great time this was! Uh, let's go around the horn and talk about where you can find everybody. Uh, Cody, where can the people find you? Uh, check me out on Twitter. I am at Son of Gravy for twenty sixty nine, and of course, right here on Here's a Guy, and this week on an episode of Belchcast. Uh, Jack, what do you want to plug? Oh uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jack John Jose. If you want to hear uncut, unfiltered, 
full platform Alex, uh, you can find me on Belchcast episode number 14, The Garfield King, <laughs> where we let Alex literally talk for the entirety of his heart's desire about his favorite uh, comic strips as well as a lot of Garfield lore. <laughs> And some really gross things uh, that we won't talk about here, but you can find out in episode 14. That's right. We, we let you talk about Garfield for like an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> you did cut me off eventually, um, which I don't that believe. That episode <laughs> clocks in at an hour and a half, and Alex was an hour of that. Right, right. Uh, Pookie, how about you? What do, what do you want to plug? Where can the people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Pookie Rex. They can find me... Technically on the internet at Uh It's a blog that I started, and I have two posts, uh, and then I got busy and couldn't commit the time that I wanted to to it. But if you want to go read those couple of posts, you can do that. I'm proud of them. Um, you can find me uh, on the Belchcast on Anchor, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you uh, want to listen to podcasts. Um, you can find me hopefully soon. I'm I'm putting this out in the universe. I haven't done a lot of the the work that goes into it, but hopefully soon you can find me on Twitch www.twitch.tv slash Rex. Um, in the meantime, you can find me on uh, Jack's Twitch channel, www.twitch.tv slash jackjohnplaysgames. He forgot to plug his own Twitch channel. I plug one thing a week. I feel like I have too much shit to plug everything at a time. <laughs> Listen, I'm a guest. So I'm going to plug as much as I fucking can. <laughs> yeah, you go, bro. Look- Look at Mr. Fucking In Demand over here. I've got too much going on to plug it up. Fuck you. No, everyone Jeez. else plugs one thing. I plug one thing a week. I rotate it. Um, as for you me... You can find me there fairly regularly. Sorry to cut you off, Alex. No, no. If you have any more, go for it. No, You, you do not cut off his Emmy speech. He has more people to thank. <laughs> you can find me regularly shit posting. Also, probably DMing, let's be honest. I'm not going to put the work in to get my own channel up. Uh, now it's your turn. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll emphasize, first of all, um, listen to BelchCast, um, our very good friends. Um, uh, check them out on, as I said, Spotify, pretty much uh, wherever you can listen to podcasts. They are there. Um, for the show, um, you can find us on Twitter at Here's a Guy uh, Pod. We have a mailbox, and I want to, um, and I may do this again next episode since I waited so long to do it this episode. I uh, want to give a special shout out to a great friend of the show, Sheena, um, for emailing us at the mailbox, uh, giving us some suggestions. We appreciate that. Um, for anybody else who wants to email us with uh, suggestions, comments, questions, heckling, we truly do not give a shit. Um, <laughs> uh, at here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Uh, we got that there for you, or you can uh, DM us on the Twitter account, which again is here's a guy pod. Um, for me, you can find me on Twitter at Turpin Four Prez. That's Turpin the number four Prez. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. What a great uh, episode this was, everybody! Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this will be the first of uh, hopefully a number of times when we will have our, our friends on to join us, um, including Pookie. I'm sure he will be back at some point. Um, I fucking hope so. This was so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and it, literally, 
Hopefully, I mean, as available as we all are for this, your schedule for the next couple weeks is, I know, awful. But after things clear up, if you ever just have a week where you're like, hey, I got somebody I want to talk about, yeah. we will for sure, we would love to have you. Yeah, no pro- and not only listen to the uh, Belchcast back catalog, but as people have hinted, uh, keep an eye out for um, an upcoming episode um, soon, which is going to feature um, part two of our crossover. So be on the lookout for that. But um, for now, thank you all so much for joining us. Um, Cody, did you have a tagline in mind for us this week? I too? do indeed. Yes. All right. Well, um, with that all being said, uh, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Cody, hit us with that tagline to play us out. Good night, everybody, and listen to Belchcast. Oh, that's so nice. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Love you. Bye.